Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Monday, October 17th. We are here live. It is a free-for-all. Anything goes today. If you have a question, a comment, a topic, we'll talk about it. Phone lines are already open. In fact, calls are already starting to come in. So I got up early today as part of what I was going to talk about. Um, the protocol is starting to kick in and work. That's a really wonderful thing. Uh, and this time, I'm even seeing improvements in sleep in just a couple of weeks. And it seems like the missing part may have been the adaptogens. Like I said, I've tried adaptogens before. They just didn't work. But it was because I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, no different than all the other supplements. I used to say they didn't work till I knew what I was doing. The right supplements used the right way. That's the key. So the thing about adaptogens, and this really isn't my topic today, but I'm talking about it because I got up early. Um, the key to adaptogens is knowing when to use them, what to use. And the problem was I tried to read about them. I couldn't find anything that made any sense. So that was why um, we brought Danielle in. She wrote the book on adaptogens just recently. And by far, it's the best information out there. And I can already see the difference. Now, um, I also have her helping me. The book will walk you through doing some of this stuff yourself. Uh, but I have her helping me, which is even better. So she is working with me one-on-one. -on -one, and I'm already starting to see some improvements. So my sleep in two weeks of this... pro Now, this also, I've been doing the stress protocol, and I think the adaptogens are going to become part of this. Uh, I'm going to ask Danielle to work with me and see if we can figure out how to do that. Uh, but that I think that's going to become a part of this stress protocol because I do think they're powerful when you know how to use them. So anyway, this isn't a health show today. The, the point of it was I got up early today for the first time in a while. You know, I, I used to talk about I get up really early, spend a lot of time on show prep, reading the news, and then my sleep just kept getting worse and worse, and I was only getting my sleep really late in the morning. So I was getting up late for the show. I wasn't preparing very well. I don't know why I, I started preparing the night before, but that just doesn't work as well for me. So uh, in just a couple of weeks, my average sleep has gone from about four and a half hours a night to six. It's a huge shift for me. Um, last night, I got over an hour of REM sleep. I haven't had that in months. I uh, got a pretty decent amount of deep sleep last night. Uh, so feeling pretty good. Got up early this morning put a ton of notes together. There's, um, there's a lot going on and I have a theme I'm working on. I'm going to talk about that a little bit right now. Uh, and then I'm going to get to the calls. So if we end up with a lot of calls today, which would be wonderful, we're here live, call me. Um, I may record the theme that I kind of worked on this morning. I'll give you an idea what it is. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail right now, but unfortunately, the topic and the theme um, is going to seem very political. It kind of is, but this is one time 
where I think everybody really needs to pay attention to this. You know, we, it, it, it's a shame that politics have become such a big part of our life. And I would much rather tell people, look, just ignore it. Just go on with your life. Except I think we're at a point, not just in our country either, this is worldwide, where we have to fight back. And it seems to me like there are a lot of people pushing an agenda and they have a lot of time and a lot of money. And the people who probably don't agree with that agenda seem to be the ones that are working all the time and not paying attention to this. And I think that's how we got here. I think the people who would be against what I'm going to talk about are the ones who are out working and producing, and they're not paying attention to what's happening. So think about all the stuff that's happening politically right now, the whole school thing, the CRT, um, the gender issues, the trans issue, the, where the hell did those things come from? You know, I've been following politics for years, and I feel like I missed all that. I didn't know half this stuff was going on. This whole new woke culture. It's all through our military. I was shocked. How did that happen? Like I said, I think the people who produce, even somebody like me who pays attention to politics in this guy, I missed it completely. I had no idea half this stuff was going on. That's not the theme I want to talk about, though. It's just a part of what's happening. This massive shift in what we consider important and what we're putting our time into. But the one I really want to focus on, because it's the one that's going to be life-changing for all of us and not in a good way, and we need to fight back against this. It's the whole climate change crap, the whole Green New Deal. I, I almost consider myself an environmentalist. Um, a tree hugger even. I want a clean environment. I love being out in nature. I don't want to see pollution. I moved to where I live because it's such a clean environment here. It's one of the cleaner in the country, clean air, water, uh, as much as you can, I guess. I love the outdoors. I don't want to ruin our environment. But what is happening right now has nothing to do with saving our environment. Nothing whatsoever. It's all bullshit. It really is. There's some other huge agenda here, and I think it's probably control. It's definitely money. There is huge amounts of money to be wasted. It's already being wasted in this, and a lot of people are going to get rich but far more people are going to be the losers in this. Like I said, I am all for a clean environment. That's not what any of this is about. This, all of this could actually make our environment much worse than it already is. Electric vehicles, as much as I love them, people accuse me of pushing electric vehicles all the time. I don't push them. I just like that technology, so I talk about it a lot. But I've said it has nothing to do with the environment. Electric vehicles could destroy our environment if we're not careful. 
solar and wind could have very negative impacts on our environment if we're not careful, and we're not, because this isn't about the environment. It's about money, and we can see it, and I have a, I can tie it into the industry, um, the whole Nikola issue. There's some things going on there. The solar issue that I recently started researching for myself, I was going to put solar in. Seems to make total sense. Except solar is such a mess right now. I'm afraid to buy anything or have any kind of solar installed because there's so much government money in there. Everybody looks corrupt right now. I I hear nothing but complaints from people who have installed solar to get the tax credits. And that's one of the reasons I was going to do it. I could use some tax breaks and they're pretty good for solar, but there's no way I'm going to go out and support a company that is really started just because of these tax breaks. And that's what's happening in solar right now. It's a mess. We're going to be giving, uh, speaking of Nikola or Tesla or any of the electric truck manufacturers, we're going to be giving $40,000 tax credits per truck. Now, here's what I want people to understand because I don't think they do. When they hear, oh, if you buy an electric truck, you're going to get a $40,000 tax credit. Well, let's think about what that really means. How much money did the manufacturer get for the truck when we buy it? They get full price. They get whatever they decide to charge for the truck. They're not giving up any of that $40,000. You don't get a discount on the truck. You pay full price for the truck. Then you get a $40,000 tax credit back. That means I'm paying for your tax credit. You're paying for everybody else's tax credit. That's the bullshit that we have to stop. We're rewarding these electric vehicle companies that one of them is a big scam. We know it was right from the start. I called it from the start. Trevor Milton was just convicted. Three counts of fraud. This is what happens when we start getting the government involved in business. When there are tax credits, there's always fraud. Think back to the Obama years. So Solerna, is that the name of the company? Sounds right. Maybe not, though. Um, There were several of them, though, during the Obama administration. Solar and wind companies that were just scams. They were just there to grab the government money. And that's what's happening now in vehicles and solar. They're just there to grab the big tax credits. We pay for that. The truck manufacturer gets every penny they want to sell the truck for, and we pay the $40,000. Do we have fleets out there with thousands of trucks? And they're going to get a $40,000 tax credit for every electric truck they buy, and we pay for it. Think about that. That's our competitor. And we're paying so our competitor can get new trucks. That's bullshit. Now, we could go buy the electric truck too, I guess, and get the credit, but then we're just part of the problem. We're all paying for that. And you know why we're paying for it? It was the last 
bill passed in Congress just recently, the Democrats pushed it through with no Republican support at all. Kamala Harris had to be the tiebreaker. That's why we're going to pay for this. That last big spending bill. There's an election coming up. A couple weeks. You need to think hard about that. Really hard. Now, we can't solve this whole problem with one election, not even close. This is a big issue. It's going to require a big fight. I don't even know how to do that other than to just keep talking about it. So maybe we come up with some sort of an answer. One election isn't going to do it, not even close. But you have to start somewhere. If, if there's anybody listening to me, or if you're listening to me and you know somebody who thinks this way, I'd love to hear it. Um, sorry, I just got a note there. I was looking at it. Um, we have to fight this. If you look at what's happening, this push for the Green New Deal, 100% Democratic. This is almost no Republican support whatsoever. Certainly has no Libertarian support whatsoever. If anybody agrees with this, I'd love to hear it. I would love to talk to somebody that says, no, this is exactly what we need to do right now, and this is how we need to do it. I'd love to hear your thought process, anybody. Because honestly... I can't find anybody who will admit that they, they agree with this. Or if they do, and you ask them for details, they have none. They have none. All, they, all you get are the same sound bites you might get on the TV. Oh, we're all going to die. The water's going to dry up. In some places, the water's going to dry up. In the other places, we're going to be underwater. But you know what? None of that's happening. Is the climate changing? Of course it is. Will there be negative consequences? Absolutely. Are we the ones causing it? Probably. How could we not? But I don't think we're smart enough to know how to fix it yet. And the last thing we should be doing is running off spending trillions of dollars to try to fix it and screwing up our life in the process. But that's where we are. All right. Um, let me see. Before I get too deep into this, I am going to go to the calls because they're starting to pile up already. Um, I will probably either do this as an episode of The Pit or I'll just do a, um, uh, uh, just a special episode and record this because I have a lot. I have a lot around trucking and I actually have a lot around food. There's a Big, big push around food right now that we need to be very, very careful of. Again, I, I could probably spend the entire hour at least talking about this, but this is live. We've got calls, so I'm going to go to them. I'll record this stuff, or we'll do it as an episode of The Pit. So let's get to the calls. Let's go to New York. Brian, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Um, yeah, definitely... I'm not, I'm not going to say I have 100% faith in my mail-in vote, but if you're not going to make a point to, yeah, if you're not going to really make sure you are at home and off uh, to vote, 
uh, which I'm not willing to give up servicing my customer and putting money in my pocket, as important as it is, um, I, I do mail in. So, you know, you know either show up or mail in. I, I agree. And there's this whole controversy about the mail in. The Democrats want it, the Republicans don't. I have no problem with mail in when it's done right. Actually, you know, I don't agree with much of what the state of Oregon does, but they do mail-in ballots here fine. They've been doing them for decades, I think, and it's a pretty good system. But these new states that said, look, we're going to send everybody a ballot in the mail. Oh, why would you do that? That's insane. Just the cost of it alone is stupid. Most people will just go to the polls and vote. So if somebody wants a mail-in ballot, let them ask for it. That's really... And then we could go through all kinds of other problems, but I'm fine with mail-in. If it's done right, I don't think it's a problem. But more to your point, let's, so let's say in our mind we're wondering if there's any you know, cheating going on in, in the voting process. There clearly could be. I don't have any proof of it, but it certainly seems there's a lot of shaky stuff going on. If we think that one of the best ways to combat it is more people vote. Imagine if voting went up 20 or 30 percent, it would be much harder for them to cheat then, much harder. So I know people are thinking, well, the whole process is corrupt. Why, why bother voting? No, it's the opposite. The more people that get involved and the more people that vote, the better chance we have of fixing the corruption. Yeah, and... Uh you know, and, and who's to say that they can't corrupt in-person voting? You of know, course, like, right. And that, that's not foolproof. Yeah, and like you were saying with the, you know, traditionally with the whole, you know, all the Democrats are scared of the COVID. Um, you know, more of your mail-in ballots are going to be Democratic. So honestly... I think we ought to get all the Republicans to mail in their ballots. So there you go. Um, it, it'll upset the numbers so much it, it could expose some fraud. You know, that's what I mean. That's um, what I mean. Let, let's let's flood yeah. the system. And if you want to flood it with mail-ins in your state, and you can go ahead. Yeah. So. But, uh, uh, one thing I'm excited I'm about the um, the the election this year. Um, I may have a chance to actually have my vote count here in Oregon. We are really close to electing a Republican governor this time, I think. The uh, CEO of Nike, Nike's founded here in Portland, um, he just came out and committed huge amounts of money to her campaign. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's looking like it's going to be a really tight race. Good deal. Yeah, I I can't believe what's going on here, but you, oh. you talked about that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, well, not here, but you know, right back in Pennsylvania. But uh, yeah, well, I'm glad you're sleeping better. I didn't set an alarm this morning and woke up after nine, and now I'm now I'm breaking the company speed limit here to get to my next stop. But uh, <laughs> well, it was interesting. But, uh, um, my sleep is I, I I'm gonna when. At some point here in the next month or two, I'm going to start posting um, all of my results. So like stats, like, 
you know, blood pressure, blood sugar, sleep, yeah. stress, all that stuff. I'll start posting it so you can see, you know, the results of the protocol and now the adaptogens being a part of the protocol. Um, so we'll, we'll track that. But I had an interesting night last night. Even though I had a good night of sleep, didn't get up much, much better than I've been sleeping. I did wake up around, uh, I think it was around 1245. And I went downstairs to get something to drink. And as I'm opening the refrigerator, I hear the alarm countdown from my alarm system. Well, the only way that can happen is somebody's in the house and there are no sensors in the kitchen. You know, you can set things up. So at night, you know, it's, it's set, but you can still walk around in the house without setting it off. Certain parts of the house, kitchen's one of them. So when that thing goes off, when it starts counting down, somebody's in the house. So at 12.45, half asleep, I hear that thing, and I'm thinking, which gun am I closest to? And then I thought, wait a minute, they're already in the house. So ran back up to the stairs of the bedroom. Turns out, um, yesterday, I forgot, one of my sensors fell off the wall in another room. And I thought, well, I got to go put it back up. But I took it in the kitchen and set it on the counter and forgot about it. <laughs> so then when I set the alarm last night, right. now the kitchen is armed. So it was kind of funny. But um, and actually, the interesting thing was, after all that, I got right back to sleep. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So <laughs> little excitement. Yeah. Or stupidity. I'm not sure which. Well, one. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh had the paper file this year because apparently I've been compromised. So I guess it's safer to write down all of my social security numbers on a piece of paper and send it through the mail. Um, so I, uh, I had to have the wife forge my signature and drop those in the mail today. So, so mine are done, Kevin. Uh, well, you, you, you beat me then. Mine, oh, okay. mine, mine, mine are done. They're not mailed yet. Technically, they're not done. I think I have to. Uh, I think I have a couple more things I need to check with my accountant on today and give them, and then we'll get them in the mail. I, it it was paid back in April. Um, we'll, we'll more than like. Uh, I think we already know we have a refund, uh, so it'll just get rolled over anyway. Oh, there you go. Now, the only reason go. I have a well, refund, I, just in case anybody's wondering, is because I almost always overpay and then just let it roll over to the next year. I have to pay all the time anyway. So, you know, I pay quarterly. I pay. So I, I just pay enough so that I don't have to worry about it. Well, see, that's good. You're, I should do that. I mean, I was able to do that this year because of depreciation, but. You know, if you if you pay ahead, it, as much as we don't like to give the government free loans, it gives you more of a pass if you're late. <laughs> yeah, it it really does, and it it's you know I don't want to get hit with a big surprise somewhere. When I used to do our tax work, I didn't have to worry about any of that because I was on top of it the whole year. I knew exactly what was going on. Um, once our tax returns got too complicated for me to spend that much time on. Um, and we gave it to the accountant. Now, most of the year, I have no idea where we are. I know where we are financially, but not tax-wise because I don't look at it. So it, it's better just to stay. And I try to stay roughly about $10,000 ahead, which 
I won't do that probably going forward anymore. The reason I did it, $10,000 in today's world wouldn't earn you a hundred bucks in interest for the whole year. Who cares? But that's about to change. So the government may not get that extra 10000 anymore. That may start going into I-bonds and CDs instead. There you go. There you go. Well, good segue. You know, on uh, Thursday, I guess we talked. Um, and I, I did buy Unshakable. I got it on Kindle since I was home instead of on Audible. Oh, and, good. Uh, I... I sort of speed skimmed and I did read through a, a, the meat of a couple of the chapters, but you know, I, I was just, you know, I was ready to push those buttons right. and just do it. And, and I, <laughs> I was in that ready fire aim mode and, and you know, doing, doing anything is going to be better than letting two. Absolutely. Yeah. No, you're right. 401ks. You know yep. that I haven't put any money into in seven years, and uh, so I, I did open a Vanguard account, or which apparently takes a couple days. It, it's not really open yet, um, and um, I, I guess if I had a larger, more diverse portfolio, um, I could see. You know, you, you're somewhat limited in the funds. You know, basically, you open a Vanguard account, you're just going to have Vanguard funds. Right. And they're going to be just, you know, they're going to be just uh, mutual funds, no kind of outside of the box investments. Well, um, I, I'm not really I looking for outside of the box. I want the plain vanilla old um, index funds. The most basic, simple, plain investment of all, really. It's a human beings don't even decide on it for the most part. We know what it is. We know what it does. It doesn't change. Um, so I, I like Vanguard. I like Vanguard quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just patiently waiting for that account to be fully open so I can. There you go. Good. Roll, start rolling stuff over and start putting some money in. But, yeah. Uh, uh um, on the six by twos, you guys were talking to Danny on Friday and, and Joel got really geeky with tractive effort and calculations and, and I get all that. Well, I don't get it, but I, you know, I get that he gets it. Um, <laughs> um, I know Danny's pretty handy, and I think he does a lot of power only, a lot of empty trailers. Um, I think it'd be worth him doing, and I'm with you. Definitely don't do a front driver with the tag, but if he does the, you know, extend the drive shaft to the rear axle, put a lift axle in, um, and then if you have a suspension pressure gauge on the drive axle, and know what pressure 20,000 pounds is going to be. And you can put a, you can put a control in for the lift axle, like a, like a tri-axle dump truck would have. Right. You know, with a manual valve, like Joel had mentioned. And, and you just put enough pressure in that lift axle when you need it to keep that drive legal. And, and it's, you know, it's fairly simple. And if you need more traction, 
and you're not worried about being legal or it's just a, you know, a brief time. You don't want to overload your axle and start busting stuff, but you can just pick it up, you know? Right, right. Yeah, Matt actually um, sent me a text and said, have Danny call him and he'll explain the whole valve thing you kind of just did. I mean, he'll certainly go into more detail, but yeah, it, it it's another one of those things. It would never work at a fleet level. But for an owner-operator, it's uh, right. it's a pretty big improvement. Yeah, and of course, I'm I'm always, you know me, I'm always promoting it. I, I've never done it myself, but that's why I'm promoting it. I'm trying to trying to get a confirmation bias going. You know? <laughs> there so you one go. Day, one day I'll do it. That's right. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that's uh, that's all I got, I guess. Got it. All right. Good stuff. We'll talk to you again soon. Boy, the calls are piling up, so uh, we're going to roll into them here. Let's go to Missouri. Voitech, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. How you doing? Good. What's on your mind today? Well, I uh, finally, after about 20 years of uh, getting around to it, listened to Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Uh, I remember... One of my professors in college, twenty something years ago, saying I should read that book. Said, "Okay, cool." I read the back. I read it twenty something years ago. What do you mean, house is not an asset? Right, and I I mean, I'm like, what do you mean, how my house is not an asset? This guy's full of it. You know, he's a millionaire because he wants to buy a book from a sucker and (laughs) and read it. Right? Uh, I was like, "Come on, of course, a house is my biggest asset." You know. But I finally uh, did listen to it, and now it makes sense in my head. Okay, so um, before you go too far... I'm assuming you're a... F- go ahead. N- uh, were you about to say you're assuming I'm a fan? Right, of his not, philosophy. Not even close. <laughs> not even close. Uh, that's why I'm calling, because yep. I, I have some issues. Some, some, so of, here's- some of his... Uh, Here's methodology the, is very counterintuitive, but I can I see I well, can see how it can work. I can too, and I'm not going to say everything he says is wrong. It's not. There's some good stuff in there that I agree with. I absolutely loved the idea of the book. The whole idea of you know I had one dad who didn't know anything about money, and I had a stepdad or whichever it, it was the stepdad um, that was a financial Fran, genius, or something. Yeah. Yeah. So. I've talked about that. You know, clearly the government indoctrination systems, otherwise known as our schools, um, they're never going to teach this stuff ever. I tried a long time ago. Other people have tried. They're never going to do it. Where else are we going to learn? As kids, we're going to learn from our parents. But what if our parents don't know? And most don't. So I did like that idea of, right, I love that idea of how he wrote the book. There are plenty of things in there I do agree with. I don't agree with your house is not an asset. I, I just don't. But, and that's semantics anyway. It's, it's vocabulary mostly. Right. Um, something about the guy, there are some strategies in there I absolutely disagree with. Something about the guy I just don't like. I still don't to this day. One of the problems is the way he hypes gold and silver. Well, I think that maybe part of that has to do with the uh, no, generation t- he came from. No, it doesn't. My I don't grandparents care. I, were the, 
I don't care what generation you, you came so? from. No, I don't care what generation you came from. You should understand investments and you shouldn't be beholden to one because you're comfortable with it. Or You know, he actually makes the state, he does a big commercial on this, hyping gold and silver. He makes a statement in there that drives me insane. You know what he says? He says, I love what? gold and, no, I think it's just silver right now. I love silver because it's cheap. What? So are penny stocks. What does cheap have to do with anything when you're investing? Cheap should maybe, not be a consideration. Maybe, yes, but maybe for the value he sees in it versus but, what but, it could But look, historically, become, there is no value. Against, it, it, well, there, there are value well, at times, but it's one of the most volatile investments around. And you should stay away from investments. They, they make a big deal. Oh, silver's in such demand for electronics and all that. Yeah, that means it's going to be wildly volatile. I don't want investments like that for individual investors who aren't professionals. And most professionals have almost no um, uh, metals, precious metals in their portfolios. They really don't. And to me, he's nothing but a whore to go on the air and make claims like that about silver. I love silver because it's cheap. Well, that's an ignorant statement. It, tell me why you really well, love silver, really... because being cheap is should, make money off of should never be part of an investment strategy. It has nothing to do with anything. Warren, well, Warren one share of Warren Buffett's yeah. stock, Berkshire Hathaway, I don't even know anymore. What's it worth, like $300,000? One share, I I, and know. it might not be that, but it's some crazy wow. number. I know it's got to be north of a hundred thousand. It was that years ago. Um, so, are sure, we saying but what's that stock going to do? When, what, right, but what's that stock going to do when Buffett passes away? Silver's still going to be here, and well, silver I, will still have. Yeah, but, but hold on, value if, if, around the world. Hold on, let's go back. Let's go back to when Berkshire Hathaway started or when they, you know, started to grow and we could go buy their shares. Go back and buy silver then and go back and buy Berkshire Hathaway then and watch what happens. And if he dies, so what? I'll sell my stock if I'm worried about it. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just trying to think like he does trying to. I, I don't know. I mean, I there's a couple things I didn't agree in the book. I think somewhere being somewhere as far as real estate investment, somewhere between Kiyosaki and uh, Ramsey would be a better, better position to be in as far as business and commercial real estate. This, that's why I, I read the book. Here's one of the, re there's a difference between investing in real estate and how he talks about your home. He says your home's not an asset. Of course it is. That, I, I just don't even understand how he can say that. Of course, it's an asset. But here's the other beauty of your home. Not only is it a good investment, look at all the other advantages. How, what, what do I get when I buy a mutual fund? Nothing. It just sits somewhere. It's like it doesn't even exist. I can't hold it. I can't take it out and play with it. I can't do anything with it. So, and that's okay. It, it's an investment. But my house could be both. 
I can create huge advantages in my primary home. I did. My, my value on this home is sure. way up from when I bought it. And I get to live in a beautiful place. I've created spaces here that I use every day and love and enjoy. So that idea of almost trying to convince people that your house is an investment, yes, it is. And it has a ton of other advantages. Well, I- it's probably, it, it, without a doubt, it is the single most common investment in this country. Right. And this is exactly why it took me 20 something years to get to this book uh, and read it and, and kind of open up my mind and say, hey, let's see what this guy has to say. And I, I would have to agree with both points of view because it isn't liability as far, financially as far as it's costing you money every month that you have to pay. But you also so, live in it and it, it, it would be financially smarter to have more ass, more revenue coming in to cover that liability. Hold on. But at the Let, same time, where else am I going to live? Let's look at what's going on right now. And I don't know, I, I can give you some really, really clear examples for me right now. We're dealing with the fact that we might lose an employee. We probably have lost an employee just this morning over this issue. Because think about this. The home I bought 10 years ago, yeah, 10 years ago, cost me the same today that it did 10 years ago. Nothing's really gone up, not, not in, in, in my ownership of this home. Actually, it went down because interest rates went down and I was able to refinance. So the cost has gone down. Do you know what has happened to rent here? Not only can you not find a oh, place to live, it is through the roof. I'm actually talking to my son, helping him buy a house right now when I've said it's a horrible time to buy a house. But he's in a situation where if he doesn't, he's spending $3,000 a month on rent. And it could go up again. Wow. So this idea of, you know, comparing the cost of renting versus homes has just changed dramatically. And again, if you would have known this 10 years ago, that this was coming, you certainly would have been more inclined to buy a house than to be in the rental market right now. Oh, I'd be buying rentals. Or there you go. That's a, that, right. Now we're talking about a whole different thing, investing into real estate. I've talked about it. It's a great investment as long as you know what you're doing. It's not for amateurs. And right. a lot of people get into it and lose money because and- they just don't know what they're doing. And that's exactly why I read the book is because of his uh, real estate investment uh, experience. And I think there's, you know, he's got smart things to say. I do agree with that. A bunch of other people. But I, he, in the I, book, I do agree with that. Mentions, uh, in the book, he mentions another book by somebody else. I don't remember off the top of my head. It was like, it's called the 16% advantage or rule about investing in lean something properties. Do you, uh, do you know what that is? I don't even remember that because I tend to stay away from that fringe stuff, mostly because I, you know, I have, I have clean properties. Right, right. Um, I have my own investment strategies and sometimes I do some weird stuff. That's how I learn. And, but you won't hear me talk about those things. 
I'm careful about that. Well, that's like, a problem. Because I and think that's, that's another thing. That, that's, a, that's a problem, Kevin. Because that's, and that's another point I wanted to make. Uh, I would like to see you add a, a show to your a repertoire about not just investing, but also strategies, corporate strategies, creating corporate structures to pay less taxes. I know you talk about it all the time. You no, know, here's but like a dedicated show that's reported that I can go back to and listen and analyze maybe on a monthly basis, whatever, but with maybe some lawyers that know the particular you know, that we could that we could probably do, and I like that. Let me go back to the investing and why there are things I won't talk about on the air. Now, eventually I might, but remember, these are fringe. I don't understand them well enough yet. That's why I'm either researching them or even jumping in and investing a little bit, because if you got skin in the game, you're going to learn more. So I'll put some money at risk. Here's the problem. Um, and this may sound arrogant, but it, you know this, you hear it. If I come on the air and say, hey, I'm doing this, what's going to happen? Other people course, will go do yes, it just because a... I said it. No matter okay, how many well, times say I say, no matter how many times I say, don't do this. Don't do this. I'm doing it as an experiment. I'm taking a big risk. If it works out, I'll... I can say that all day long. And people will still go buy things or invest in things. It's been happening for years. I, I really do. I'm careful about what I say. Well, then you need to have a big dis disclaimer. But the, the, the advantage that you have, or uh, we as listeners have, to have you as a resource, you are a financial planner, you know taxes, and you're on here every day. You know things about this industry, ta taxes, corporations, and investing that we as truck drivers that sit behind the wheel 11 hours a day have no idea even exists. So if you were to have a show and maybe do a book review on, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad and dive into particulars or a bunch now, of other books and discuss the strategies like. and everything in there. That I like. I do like that idea to review the books about that's a That's a really good idea. I, like I happen to have a couple of those every once in a while. Yeah, no, I like that. I'm going to write that down. And, uh, and that that might I be a way for me for to explore those other things without sounding as much like I'm right. endorsing them. Exactly. Okay. Another like idea, that. free tip. Uh, put a gun in your fridge <laughs> so that when you when this happens again, you're ready. There you go. Um, that's not a bad okay. idea either. Yeah. Somewhere on the go. bottom shelf. Yeah. Yeah. In a holster, in a padded holster somewhere, you know, on the bottom. So you don't have any kids running around the house. So, yeah. And, uh, the company before you were talking about Obama's greatest success was called Solyndra. Solyndra. That's Got what it was. 500 million, $500 million just disappeared. Just walked out the front door. That, Nobody knows where it went. That Build it, they had a nice building in free. <laughs> it took investors, government grants, built a nice building in Fremont, California, right by the freeway. Ooh, ah, solar water heaters. And all of a sudden, everything's gone. It's just like, hey, guys, we just don't know. It just, you know, walked out that, the door. Uh, 
And you know I what? I didn't do it. I don't know. You, Frank, you know what's going on? No, no, nobody knows. I was out on vacation. Me too. <laughs> exactly. And you know what? Even though that sounds like an awful lot of money, that is pennies and child's play compared to what's happening right now. Yeah. With our money. And With our, our money. Children and grandchildren's money. Billions yeah. are going to go to these tax credits for electric vehicles. And I know in people's mind, they think that the person getting the tax credit is getting a discount on the vehicle. That's not how it works. Oh, They're paying full price for the vehicle, and I then a, you're oh. paying them their tax credit back. I know. I have a communist neighbor that just bought a Chinese goddamn Polestar electric car. I thought he was going to buy a Tesla. Oh, no, I'm buying because it's cheaper. and It's right there, blah, blah, blah. And he and still gets credit. the same the tax credit. To the China- well, no, Tesla is out of tax credit, so he bought oh. this. And then the city had to come in. Upgrade his panel, which I paid for half of it, oh. and then he gets state tax credit and a federal tax credit, full value, and I'm paying for all of it. Yep. And he works from home. I'm like, what the hell do you need a car for anyway, you fat <laughs> fuck? You know? It's like he sits on his ass, works for the state. Oh, man. Uh, he's already a parasite. Now he's... It's, yeah. 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 It's, yeah. Exactly. And this is, oh. this is going to get worse, much worse. And it's not just electric vehicles. It's not just solar. It's not just wind. It's our food. There is a huge, huge push happening right now to basically try to eliminate animal products from the entire food system. I, I just posted again this morning. You know how I was talking about that food scoring system a couple weeks ago where um, Captain Crunch scores higher uh, than beef? Maybe. I've been off of for three okay. weeks. Okay. So I had, so, a, had to go to you, Vegas so for we a had the, days. We originally had the food pyramid. Then we had the my plate thing. Now they're trying to come up with oh, this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, with this food scoring system. So you look at the score another of a food. Another gift of the Obamas. Yeah. So it's another it, gift of right. Michelle Obama. Yeah. The the my so plate. This was about nutrition. So in the nutrition push they're trying to make right now, they actually claim that Fruit Loops are healthier than beef. That fake eggs fried in fake oil are healthier than real eggs fried in butter. That's a nutrition thing they're doing. So it totally demonizes all of the animal products, and it promotes all of the super-processed foods. Hold on. Let's go to the next step of their plan. Now they're coming out with a rating system on food. There's nothing whatsoever to do with nutrition. Nothing. You know the only thing they're scoring it on? Uh, rainbow, the environmental impact of that food. How does that food impact our environment? Now, here's an interesting thing that they did. I'm sure. I'm sure Monsanto products that are applied to production of that, of that fruit loop are completely excluded from the equation. Absolutely. This has nothing to do with nutrition, nothing, but here's what they did. They take all the impact that a certain food has on the environment, and then they create a score. 
except they left one giant piece of the puzzle out. They don't take into account any kind of transportation to produce that food. That's, that's not in the equation. That's probably the biggest environmental impact most foods have. Right. But if you look at animal products raised production. properly, look at a, a farm like Joel Salatin's. He has such a yep. tiny environmental impact. He ships almost nothing. He brings almost nothing into I, I, the farm. I would say, I would say he has uh, not even an impact, but his farm is regenerative. Exactly. So that... It's improving things. Other people would have. Yeah, he's improving things, and he has been for a couple decades. So let me give you just two examples. Is an issue though. Here's here's how. Now look, I realize they're using animal products that are raised in our industrial system, which I am completely against too. But that's not. They don't make that point ever. You know, they don't, they don't show, well, here's the impact industrial animal products have, and here's the impact regenerative animal products have. They didn't do that. They should have, but they didn't. But just, let me give you two scores. Do you know what group got the absolute best score? Energy drinks yeah, and sodas. Uh... Wow. Yeah, energy drinks and sodas got a score of zero. No uh, environmental impact at all. Do you know what got yeah, the just, worst? Uh, the, appears on the, shelf. The, the worst, absolutely off the charts. In fact, when I posted the chart, I had to tell people, make sure you look very high and very right or you're going to miss this category. It's so far off the chart, you don't almost see it. It's animal products. Beef, rib ice, beef rib lamb, steak, dairy. And bacon and egg. Yep. 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 Yeah. Well, if, uh, what's his name? Uh, Bill Gates uh, finds a way to make uh, more money off of uh, regeneratively so, raised beef and, and, and pork. Oh, we'd be all be set. Top. Yeah. The problem is there's no money in that. It's a really, really tough business to run. It's not an easy business right. at all. Here's, here's another one I saw in there. Have you ever seen all the ingredients that go into these fake meat products now? I One time I looked and the list was too long to read. And exactly. The, chemical so, compounds were impronounceable. Yeah, exactly. So, and yet... That's on this list. But you know, almost, you know what I've noticed? Almost no, you know I've noticed? almost no environmental impact. Way down low on the list. Right, of course. Because it's just green plants, you know? Yeah, right. But what I've noticed that from the Walmart shelves, that those uh, fake meat products have been going down in volume and disappearing altogether. And the, the, if you analyze the location and where they're placed, and how much it, it's becoming more of a fringe product. You're right. At first, it was very prominently displayed, uh, you know, long, the length of shelf space that they were given was, was higher, and the more, quote-unquote, organic meat and lamb and all that, that at least Walmart was carrying, was shrinking for a while. Now, 
they're going back toward the organic meat section a little bit. I've seen that increase. And then the the Beyond Burger nonsense is I'm trying you know starting to see less and less of it. Yeah, it's still and, there. But uh, I think that, that that you can gauge the the customer uh, the the public response to the product by how it's placed on right. the shelf and how much of it there, there is. There's another indicator that they didn't catch on nearly as well as they wanted them to. All the fast food chains ran out and added stuff to their menu. Most are now starting yeah. to back off of that. Yeah. Some of the products have been canceled. They're just yeah. not even on the menu anymore. That's probably a good thing. It's a, I mean, yeah. You, you, yeah. You, you, can't, you can't fake those. Anyway, uh, I, I, I sincerely hope you... Uh, put together some kind of a show about uh, financial planning and strategies that um, would be, <laughs> you know, beneficial to uh, not paying taxes. <laughs> I, my, one last thing I promise. Uh, for years I've been hearing that Puerto Rico pays no federal taxes. Is that true? You know, that's something I should know and I have no clue. Never even thought about it. Never heard it. Didn't even know, know it was an issue. And I, yeah. And I don't know if it's just capital gains taxes or because I know a lot of rich people from Wall Street have uh, some kind of uh, Puerto Rico connection and some kind of loophole. And but I want to know how the corporate structure works so I can have a trucking company in the U.S. be a resident of Puerto Rico and operate everything. Funnel all my uh, so, all my uh, income offshore, like the big guys do, you know. Yeah, here's one of the problems in trucking. It always has been um, the the tax has nothing to do with where you live or even where you might domicile a company. Tax is almost always based on where the economic activity happens, and it's impossible to have the economic activity of trucking happen anywhere but in the United States. So there really aren't any offshore yeah, loopholes that'll help but, much for your business sure. of trucking. But couldn't my company uh, have to pay some hefty uh, royalties to some other company that's offshore and there'll be just nothing left over? You know? No. Look, if, if, if these strategies <laughs> really worked, think about this. If as a small business owner, I could dramatically reduce my Apple tax. How get away with it? Uh, well, Apple has like a trillion dollars in the bank. So trying to compare what we can do as individuals, Apple can do almost anything they want. They could put uh, a, a location in every country in the world if there was some advantage to it. There are loopholes. But sure, but, but, there's, but, there's but they can require. The no, right. But what if in order for the loophole to even kick in, and there are lots of them like this. You need like a hundred million in revenue before that thing even applies. Or the strategy to get around it is so expensive. They can afford it. Eventually right. it pays off. Sure. Yeah, so you can't make those comparisons. Forget the big guys and what they do. Let's look at the little guys. What if I, and believe me, I look for this stuff all the time. If I could have saved a significant amount of money by doing something in Puerto Rico, well, first off, not only would I do it, 
but I'd tell every other business owner I know. And then they would tell, and pretty soon it wouldn't be a secret. If these things really work, they're not secret. Okay. Okay. That's a very good point. So let's just create a little con- little show, just the two of us talking. We won't tell anybody. It'll be our little secret. There just you let go. me know, and I'll keep my mouth shut. <laughs> All right. We'll do okay, that. Okay. I'll let other people get in here. All right. See ya. Thanks. Let's, uh, let's go to Arizona. Dave, welcome to the program. Evan. What can I help you with Hello? today? Yep. Hey, Kevin. Uh, so I'm calling about your courses that I bought. And I just clicked on my own authority. And I am wondering, is there anything in those courses that my sister can watch so she can learn how to kind of help me get, uh, you know, with uh, get more familiarized with what I'm doing? Absolutely. All of it. She should watch it from start to finish. Okay. Okay. Because I told her just before I get her to do it, I just wanted to know. I'll even go a step further. Let's say my plan was to build a small trucking company. Maybe a couple, you know, maybe five to ten trucks is my goal or whatever it might be. Could be 50 trucks. Who knows? Um, Every employee I had, every time I hired somebody, I'd put them through that course. Okay. I would want okay, everybody okay. around That's me to good. know that stuff. Good. I'm, I bought it, and I'm heading home with my first load today, and I'm uh, going to go home, and she's going to watch it. Excellent. So. Good. Good. And, and by the way, you know, technically... You buy it, and that's a one-person course. We have no problem with you sharing that login with people who help you with your business. And hey, Kevin, you know, about your topic this morning, I mean, I'm hearing a lot about this called the Great Reset, where it doesn't even matter anymore. They're going to do this. And they're going to change the whole world. Hold on. The way it works. Hold on. Doesn't matter. I, I, I don't disagree, but here's what I will tell you. That thought process of it's a done deal. You can fight back all you want. It's not going to matter. Guess right. who's promoting that? That's what they want. You're right. That's what they want you to think, and so it, it, it will work. Yeah. They will discourage people from voting. Most people are, are so disconnected and stressed about all of this that they'll listen to that and go, oh, they're right. Why bother? Bullshit. We have to do the opposite. Right. We have to fight back so hard we can disrupt their plans. That's correct. And I heard that caller that called in. Yeah, we got to get more people voting. You're right. More people, more people involved. I think the problem is like over half America is not even involved in politics or don't care about what's going on anymore. No, that's absolutely true. 
That's know? absolutely true. That's a huge problem, and that's got to change. Here's the other thing. I, I've been asking for it forever, and, and maybe there's not a single Democrat that listens to me because nobody will call me and talk about this. I don't think most people who vote Democrat would agree with this if they understood what was happening. Uh-huh. They just think Democrat because Democrats good. They're good people. That's, that's it, in it, their mind. That's kind of how we voted forever. And, you know, it, it probably was okay for a while. Not anymore. Things have changed. I, you know, this whole idea of a great reset sounds like black helicopter stuff, but there's something going on. Something really, yeah. really big. And I can't explain it for sure. I can't prove any of it. Nobody can is, is part of the problem. But there's something big happening. And I don't think it's going to be good for any of us. I don't care how you vote. Well, I'll get off the air, Kevin, and I can't wait to get home and get the courses over here. Good. Hey, here's but, the uh, thing. When you start you listening much. to that course... It's going to answer yeah. a lot of your questions, but it's actually going to generate more questions. So call me every time you have a question. While you're taking the course, have a notepad okay. there. And when you read something, go, I'm not really sure what that means. Write it down and call me. Oh, okay. We'll do hey, that. Hey, I'll do that. Hey, I just, I just thought of something. How many other books or courses... And there's lots and lots of books and courses. Books have been big forever. Courses are a new thing. I love them. Um, how many, though, when you buy a book or a course, how many of them can you call the author directly every day and ask questions at no charge? Nobody believes me, Kevin. I tell my family, you can call Kevin about health. Oh, yeah, right. You're lying. You don't call him. I'm telling you, he answers the phone. He'll talk to you. Absolutely. Every day. Every day. <laughs> and call as many times as you want. <laughs> so, okay, it, Kevin, all, well, all you have to do thanks. is call, and I will personally teach you this course. Just call. Yep, I'm, I'm going to watch it. Excellent. And, uh, I will call. All right. Thank well, you, Kevin. You're welcome. We'll talk to you soon. Let's go to Virginia. Elliot, welcome to the program. Hey, doing all right. Um, I called a few weeks ago about what to invest in, and I um, opened up my Fidelity account the other day. Okay, good. And um, I was looking for the Russell 2000 on there. They don't have it on the mutual funds, uh, but they said they had something equivalent to it. Do I, uh, went ahead and just put it in that. Is, is that still Did good? Um, I could probably go figure out what it is, but did they tell you what the name of it was? Uh, it was, I looked it up. It said, uh, is it the Wilshire I 2000 maybe? No, I typed in Russell 2000 on, on the Fidelity website and it came up with a, Oh, I think I found something it. something else, 2000. Oh, it is. It does have 2000 in the name. Yeah, but it's not. It's not Russell See, 2000, and the uh, S&P 500 was the Fidelity S&P 500. Which is fine. I couldn't get they, they, it. It is exactly, exactly the same as the Vanguard S&P 500 and the T. Rowe Price. They're, they're identical. That's the beauty of index funds. 
It doesn't matter who we buy them from. They are the exact same thing. Now, sometimes infidelity is a case. They don't have the Russell 2000 as an option, but I, I looked up one. Um, they have one called the Fidelity Small Cap Index Fund. That would be fine. That's what, that's what I did. Yep, oh, yep that's, that, that's the one. Yep, yeah. that's fine. Uh, all right. And I did say, like, if you buy a stock or bond, um, I mean, an ETF or whatever, what, what is that? You got to buy the, the it, whole it, piece, the it, whole it, stock. It, it, here's, here's one of the things I would say. Um, when it comes to investing, do you want to be an active investor or do you want to be a passive investor? And here's the difference. And I will tell you when it comes to the, to the market, to the stock market, I want to be a passive investor. I, I don't want to, I, I, to work too hard. I don't want to work on the stock market. It's too much work. It's too volatile. Things change too much. So if I'm going to be a passive investor in the stock market, it means I'm going to pick a couple of index funds like I just had you do. And I'm going to put money into them every month and that's it. I'm not going to worry about ETFs. I'm not going to worry about uh, target date mutual funds. I'm not going to worry about the latest craze that everybody's talking about on Wall Street. That stuff comes and goes all the time. These index funds have been here forever. So I, you know, for me, I, unless somebody comes to me and says, I want to be an active investor. And if you do, you got an awful lot of work ahead of you. And, you know, I can answer a lot of your questions here, but it's not like I'm going to teach it to you on the air. Um, you're going to have to go yeah. dig and do a lot of work. So if you, if you want to do that, I mean, I could get you started in the right direction, but you might just want to decide uh, first. Yeah, just just be passive yeah. in the market. It's so much easier. Yeah, because I, I noticed when I typed it, when I clicked on the ETF button and typed in Russell 2000, it came up. But the, uh, you don't, you know, yeah, under it, mutual funds, right. it, it didn't come up. See, here's the, everything changes all of a sudden. So, yeah, it's the Russell 2000, but ETFs don't trade like mutual funds. They aren't taxed like mutual funds. The fee structure isn't the same as mutual funds. Can you tell me what the fee structure of an ETF is? Uh, no. Then you shouldn't be investing in it. All right. I cleared it up. Good. I'll just make sure that small cap, that small oh, cap was the main thing. Yep. You got the right one. All right. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Illinois. Brandy, welcome to the program. Thank you, Kevin. Um, so I'm not taking a trip on Amtrak, but you are. And Google seems to know about that. Hey, and Brandy. I had three stories this morning. Yeah. Oh, hate to interrupt you, but before you get started, I just saw a text message. This was something I was wondering about earlier, so I want to talk about this before I forget. Um, I said Berkshire Hathaway might be selling for 300000 because I can remember a long time ago it blew past 100000 Um, Matt sent it to me. This is just an interesting stock because it's so unusual. Now, Berkshire Hathaway is the investment company um, that Warren Buffett owns. Warren Buffett is one of the most famous, successful investors in the world. It's all he's ever really done in his life. Never really had a job. He's basically invested in stuff and became outrageously rich doing it. So he must be good at it. So you can buy 
a share of his investment company. That's what you're doing when you buy a share of Berkshire Hathaway. As his investments improve, you make money. But here's the thing. Matt just sent me the price. You know what the price is today? One share. If you want one share of his stock, $418,000 and $640 more. $418,640. This might have been yesterday, I think. What's today? Oh, no, it's today. Um, Right now, today... In a, what's going on in the stock market today? Now I need to go look. Hold on. I looked this morning. It looked like the futures were way down. Oh, holy cow. This is the volatility in the market that scares me. When I looked at the uh, Dow futures this morning, they were down almost 400 points down. Now they're up almost 600 points. That's a thousand point swing in a couple hours. Um, The reason I went and checked is because Berkshire Hathaway is up quite a bit. So um, Berkshire Hathaway is up 1.42%. So if you owned one share of Berkshire Hathaway and it went up 1.42%, do you know how much money you made today? $5,880 in a couple hours this morning. Brandy? Yeah. Oh, I'm nope. sorry. I didn't know you were. I didn't know you were done or, oh, yeah. or what. Yeah. I just listened to you. Yeah, that's uh, okay. Now here's the thing. I don't want people to run out, mortgage their house to buy one share of Berkshire Hathaway. Even though I talk, I don't promote individuals buying individual stocks. There's too much risk. Your four hundred and some thousand dollars that you spend to buy one share today could become $300,000 in the next six months. That's just too much risk. I'm just pointing out that, you know, I go back to when Kiyosaki, the rich dad, poor dad author that I, that I don't like, made the statement, I like silver because it's cheap. What an ignorant statement. I like Berkshire Hathaway because it's outrageously expensive. That would be an ignorant statement too. It has nothing to do with the investment. The price of investments have almost nothing to do whether they're good investments or not. All right, go ahead. I just had to interrupt you there because I, okay. I was pretty shocked by that That's, number. It's totally fine. Um, so there was a trip from Detroit to Chicago that normally takes five hours on Amtrak. It took 19 hours. A lot of these people basically got off the train and took an Uber one of the things I wanted, why I'm even interested in it, to tell you about it. Um, so there, so I, as I started, I've got three individual stories about Amtrak, and I'm not even taking a trip, but you are, and evidently Google is listening. And uh, so um, one of, there was a trip, a woman that was taking it, I think from Portland to Sacramento, 16 hours, and she kept saying, I wish I had got the the elite package or something that it had the bathroom in it because you have to share the bathroom with other uh, people on the train. But the, the first story had something that when they're, when they were sitting on the track, there was no electrical power. So they were told they're not allowed to use the toilet. I remember my trips were like some of similar to that, but not nearly as extreme. And I just simply 
bring it to your attention and say, have you thought of everything? <laughs> what do you mean, having a bathroom or the electricity or the train stopping or? <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. Well, as far that. as the bathroom, I mean, I, um, as crazy as it might sound when you hear the price, um, I always get the room with the bathroom. And it's a tiny, okay. tiny, tiny bathroom. It has a shower, but you literally straddle the toilet to take a shower. Right. So, but it's nice to have the bathroom in the room and a shower and all that. But the price is insane. Now, when I compare it to what I might do, like I just did on the long trip that I took, trains wouldn't have worked there. But I spent $6,000 just in fuel on my last trip with the coach. Fuel's five bucks a gallon. I'm getting six miles to the gallon on a good day. That was an expensive trip, but there are a ton of advantages for me. I have everything with me. I can work every day. The train for me is a little bit of a treat because I like it. It's just a really enjoyable ride for me. And it gives me three days yeah. right before the event. So I'm writing my you know keynote right now but I'll really do the bulk of the work on that keynote in those last three days. That's just how I like to prepare. Everything will be really fresh in my mind. The things I talk about will be very current. So, but just so one way from Portland to Memphis, one way with that room is 2,500 bucks. Yeah. Now probably 518. I'll probably fly back. And, um, yeah. Um, there was also in this story about the percentage rates of how on, on time they are. A lot of these people that were going to Chicago had to cancel everything that they had planned because they were sitting on the train. So was this just, I think of was this just recent? I to. Yes. Yes. Because I, I will tell you. I can't when, remember my feet today. When the oil fields in um, North Dakota were booming. Um, yeah, I remember. I took a trip during the, that time. Yeah. The, the, the train from Portland to Chicago goes right through Williston. I mean, it goes right through oil country. Yeah. Um, and the people get on and off the train. They all use the train up there quite a bit to move around. Um, but when the oil fields were booming... You had to be really careful about that route because they had so many trains on the tracks with the oil that the commuter trains were disrupted a lot. But in the last year or two, there haven't been a lot of disruptions on this route. I took that route because I wanted to see the scenery. But most of it's the scenery beautiful. was in the dark because uh, well, we were it, sitting along the tracks waiting for oil trains. Yeah, well, that's the yeah, thing. I the remember. oil trains were a big problem for a while. That That's pretty much disappeared. The The scenery on that route is stunning. You go right through um, Glacier National Park. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen that. That's why I took that route to do that. Um, and yeah, but this story is brand new from Detroit to Chicago, uh, 19. You know, when, when you leave Portland, it's actually a pretty ideal, I, I wish it left a little er, earlier in the day and you'd have more daylight thing. in the summer, in the summer, you get a ton of daylight. So you leave Portland in the daytime and you have yeah. daytime, you know, all the way to Glacier just about. 
then the nighttime tends to be when you're more in North Dakota and some of that area where there isn't so much to see. And then the next day you kind of get into Minnesota and you're, you're way out in the woods up there. It's really, it's, it's a, I love the trip. Right. Um, another subject, I wanted to listen to your protocol with Danielle. You said it was on, I didn't find it. And I'll try to visit on the destination house day, but you said you did report it that day. Um, let me check and see uh, if we Freaky have, Friday. Let me see if we have posted that yet. Um, I'm going to ask on text, so I, I can't type and talk at the same time. Did we post the DH with Danielle yet? So I have to talk while I type. There we go. I'll ask, see what, uh, if we've posted okay. that one yet. So just like your previous caller, I am a big fan of what you have on your show, and I try to get other people to listen. I have actually got a person to listen on Wednesday. You're welcome. As well about the adaptogens, and uh, if I'm more than willing to invest in, a, in another person to bring their health up. Just trying to convince them. Excellent. And so, uh, but I was thinking, yeah, I and I think as you were talking about the adaptogens, it's like, you know, we have the time to listen to audiobooks, but I think I am one that will take, I will invest in a, somebody and I'll buy them the book. It's like, you gotta read this, you gotta have this. And then, you know, that's my insistency, yeah. <laughs> my yeah. passion. Right. Basically, the, and sometimes that's not enough, but. Uh, I, I am persistent. I, I do tend to nag. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, and then uh, the last uh, topic is I want to put, I want to put Catalyst in my 2002 Volkswagen Jetta. I live near Walcott and I wanted to buy a gallon or whatever. And I, I wanted to see how do I get it out into my car when it says it's so that it will eat things. So I was going to buy a tin. I was going to buy a can and to put the bottle in. But then I then I was at a farm store, uh, Bagaroos or whatever, and I was looking at these cow injectors. It's like I wonder if I put it in here, would it eat it? So I so, looked on YouTube, and there was only one YouTube video and nothing that suggests how do you get it out of the container and into your car tank. Well, I'll tell you what I use. I have a. Um uh, that would be helpful. Yeah, I just have a small glass measuring cup. Okay. I pour it out of the bottle glass. into the measuring okay. glass. Yeah, yeah, glass is the glass okay. will work every time. I plastics you have to be very careful. Some plastics it will destroy. Other plastics are fine. Well, I don't want right. to have to figure out what's what. So glass is simple. Metal might corrode. I don't know what it might do to metal. Um, glass is simple. Get a little cheap glass measure. Well, I was listening to that show where they, I think it was the power hour that that container started to leak and it basically destroyed the things that were around. I think it was that, in a garage or something. No, I mean, it, you'd have to be almost incompetent to have it destroy other stuff. What we're talking about <laughs> leaking, um, we went through the same thing with brain octane. You try to pour oil out of right. something, and because of its viscosity, it clings to things. So then it tends to dribble down the side a little bit. Wipe it off. Okay. It's not that big of a deal. If you pour it and you see it dripping down the bottle, just wipe it off. The bottles are not spontaneously leaking, I don't think. I think it's just that dribble that's coming out of the right. cap. 
um, Bulletproof okay. went through probably six or seven different containers before they found one that doesn't do that quite so bad. It's just a problem with oil. I mean, right. oil just does that. I just wanted to protect uh, my. If they either have it in the truck or in the car, put it in one of those like farm cans with a trash can lid on it, and that would keep the smell. And then I'd have it yeah. handy whenever sure. I need to, to sure. fill up my yeah. tank. And yeah. then putting the um, bottle in some other tote or something is not a bad idea. But but I wouldn't worry yeah. about the bottle like yeah. you know destroying everything in under your bunk or something. I mean. It's really, it's not that big of an issue. Right. It's more of an annoyance that, you know, when you pour it, it dribbles. It's kind of annoying. So they've, they've been working to try okay. to find a better bottle, but you would not believe how complicated and expensive that gets. Right. Yeah. That's all I have. Thank you, Kevin. For You're welcome. All right. Thanks for the call. Perfect. Thanks for spreading the word. Uh, we need that. Well, sort of. I mean, we're pretty happy with our audience right now. We're we're going to make a push at some point to really grow up, but we, we do love recommendations. Um, phone lines are open. We're going to stay here. The calls are coming in, so if you want to jump in and join us, you can dial us up. We're going to go to Texas. Mark, welcome to the program. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, I'm uh, Paul's friend, the car hauler that uh, had the, uh, the dispatch service that we talked about. We talked last about right after second quarter, and I got some numbers from uh, three quarters this year for you. you oh, good. Take a, all right. Well, so far, as of uh, the end of the third quarter, at 90,500 miles even, uh, revenue was $328,739.74. Holy cow. Uh, all miles average 3.63. I was just trying to figure out that out in my head, so thank you. That is incredible. Yeah. Good stuff. And uh, in the bank, deposits in the bank for the month of uh, September, $59,010. Wow. Wow. My, so, my, my, I, that number's really close to what I grossed in the first year I bought a truck. Gross. I, I did like 70 some thousand, I think, that year to P&D local, that kind of thing. But yeah, um, that's that's pretty incredible. Um, so go ahead. Just staying after it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not just staying after it. You know, build, building relationships with different carriers to sub hall bar and, uh, you know, it, it just. You know, you know, I had those 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 people that were doing that service for me, dispatching, and of course, it cost was costing eight percent, which is ridiculous. You know, when you look at the number, what eight percent of that is, and uh, yeah, the routes I'm running now, they were like, you like you'll never run those routes because I'm running out of Houston, running east and west, and uh, to, over into to, uh, uh, Montgomery, West Point, sometimes Georgia, and even Florida. And, all that, and they're like, you'll, you'll never be able to make anything doing that. Well, I knew that if I built the relationships with the right people, I could. Yep. And so excellent. I'm, I'm doing it. And, yeah. You know, and I mean, I got you know, I can't shout out to Paul. He, he helped me immensely, and, and you know, just you know, staying true to that, and and knowing your numbers. I mean, I come back here and tell you every time I call you, if you have to know your numbers. And you know, I talk to other people about that, about what I'm making and my numbers. 
some friends of mine, and, and they get all quiet. And I'm just like, you know, you got to know your numbers. And, you know, I, 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 use your, uh, I use your app to track my fuel. I know what my fuel cost is every Excellent. day. And, I mean, I, and, and I track my DEF usage. And I just recently had it go down and come to find out I had a boost leak. And, Excellent. you know, it's like I knew something was wrong. Yeah. And, I, I mean, it's, it comes back to what, what are the numbers. And, and I'll tell you, the biggest difference of everything that – happened to me over the last several years is in July, June of 2020, I woke up and said, I'm not drinking anymore. And I have not drank since then and everything got better. My productivity. And it's like, I, I just. Congratulations. And, Congratulations. Uh, you know, let's think about something yeah. that we talk about the numbers a lot. When Matt was on the air the other day, you know, giving his numbers, I, I kind of expanded on it. I'll do the same with you. You know, I made the statement, Matt has virtually done everything right over time. He did. He, of course, he makes mistakes, but he's he's done a lot of right stuff. Like, I'm not even sure if there's anything left for him to do in his business to make more money, other than add trucks, and he doesn't want to do that. So he's he's great right where he is, and we can see the results. His numbers are incredible. Your numbers are incredible. You just talked about building relationships, looking at your dispatch operation and how much it was costing you. So to get to the place where you two are, there's a lot of stuff that happens, but it's all based on the numbers. You just said it. I looked, they were getting 8%. I looked at my numbers. I'm not going to do that. That was insane. There wasn't enough value there for you. You look at your fuel and you work on it. You look and say, hey, look, I started building that relationship with this guy and my revenue went up. So that's why we talk about the numbers because the numbers are how we measure all the other stuff we have to do. And, and believe me, I made mistakes like you... I mean, it's oh, absolutely. I mean, mistakes I made. I mean, because I didn't know who the hell you were when I started and I found you and then I started listening to you and I'm like, I was scared to call because I knew I had made all these mistakes because I was listening to you and I'm like, yep, did that. Yep, did that. Yep, did that too. Well, if you and, listen long enough, you've you know, probably then, heard me say I've made all those mistakes. That's how I learned. Yeah, it's it's a tough lesson and it's like, I mean, I'll give you an example here of something I did uh, back in August. So I got into where I, I like to uh, hike and, and, and go up these mountains. And uh, a year ago, when I broke down at Flagstaff, I rented a car and I hiked up Mount Elbert, 14,000. Did it, wrong shoes, everything. But I made it up, made it down in Colorado. Congratulations. So I'm, like, I'm going to do Mount Whitney. So I, 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 I'm going to do Mount Whitney. So I got, I got permits and went out to Mount Whitney and uh, spent some time in Mammoth in August. And so I took a week off, and I went to do, started at 1 a.m. I got six miles in. I'm like, I can't go any further. My feet are killing me. I had a solo boots on. I had to, come to find out, I had the wrong pants, wrong everything or whatever. And I let, I come, I can't, I got, I got six miles in to 10 and a half miles, 12,000 feet. Wow. And I'm like, I got to get out of here. And it's like, shit, that's six miles back to the portal. <laughs> and so I had to go back. And when I got off of there, it's like I posted. I was like, I knew I was going to do it, but I didn't do it. And I'm like, I'm going to go back next year. So now I'm started working on what I need to do to get back to go do that next year. Excellent. Since then, I've lost 10 pounds, changed, changed, you know, got real strict on my diet and, and, and focusing on, you know, my heart rate and things like that. And you know, that's just an example of like you get you have a failure. It's like, well, 
you fail, but like, okay, now what do I need to do to succeed to be exactly. able to do this? Exactly. Exactly. So, yep. And, and I just, just got back from Las Vegas. Uh, I didn't go there to go to Vegas, but I was going to see Jimmy Buffett, but apparently he got sick and canceled everything. So I went and climbed a week ago from Saturday. I went up to the top of uh, Humphrey's Peak. And I and I really did came out with minimal pain and all. And then I did uh, Tuesday, a week ago, Tuesday, well, last Tuesday, I did, I went up to Zion and I went up uh, uh, Angel's Landing, which is like, you got to hold on to go up there. It's not that high, <laughs> but it's very steep. Yes. And, 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 I, and, I, and I got to the top up there and then. And then uh oh. Mark was breaking up really bad there, but now he's gone quiet. Um, the line's sure. still... Oh, I don't know if he's you back. hear me or not. Oh, now you're back. I'm, I'm still here. Yeah, I yeah was, so I went I, up Angel's Camp. I, I was, and, uh, not Angel's Camp, Angel's Landing. Yeah, I was Go about ahead. to say, um, I think Zion might, might be one of the most underrated parks in the country. Oh, it's amazing. It is beautiful. It, it, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. 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 So I got a permit to do that, and, and I hike. It's, it's two miles, two and a half miles to the top of Angel's Landing, and I did it. And I didn't, you know, and it's like I'm proving to myself that I can do these things. I wouldn't be able to do these things, and I wouldn't be having these success right now in business if I had not quit drinking. Because now I don't have to wake up and recover half the week. I just get up till Monday morning and go to work or Maybe I work Sunday and just keep working. I don't know. There you go. So, yeah, I mean, it and you know, so it is. I mean, I'm, I'm, I sometimes I always ask the bookkeeper, is this real? Am I doing this? Am I real car hauler yet? <laughs> and she's like, oh yeah. But I'm like, I, I just and I and people ask, why are you working so hard? I said because I don't know when it's going to end because it could with this administration, all this could end at any time. And absolutely, it's like, I don't know. So, Here's, so I just work like the day's the last day. Yeah, and we, we should keep doing that Go right ahead. now because there's still lots of money to be made in trucking. The um, we, we actually have more freight today than we did this time last year. Freight volume is actually up right now over this time last year. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm making it out here uh, in my segment of the car hauling industry. And there are other people that, that, you know, I was talking to my insurance lady, and she was talking about how somebody said they hadn't worked in three weeks. And I'm yeah. like, <laughs> I've worked almost every day. And it's like, that, you know, it's like you just, have it, to, you just have to you have to build relationships, talk to the people, become friendly with them. And, and it's like you, you visit with them. And it's like, I mean, I'll go back to this. I said this one time before. You, and you, you stress this. How to win friends and influence people. Read that book every year and follow the principles and you will make friends and you will build relationships. I'm glad you brought that up. I haven't talked about that book in a long time. The thing's like 80 or 90 years old or something by now. It's still an no, it's incredible old, it's, book. It's old. It's Carnegie and it's yeah. like the principles still work. Yeah. They um, work. I mean, I've been to my know, kids a while back. Here's an interesting point. It, it's the spot market that has been crazy volatile. For the last year, you know, it's been all over the place and mostly not good. Um, it's no coincidence that the two people who've called my show so far to say they're still killing it don't really rely on the spot market. 
the contract freight has been super strong. Contract freight has been awesome. Fleets are still doing just fine. It, it really is the stock market that's had all the volatility. Or the spot yeah. market. Did I say uh, stock market? No, I meant spot yeah. market. You said spot. Okay. Well, I'm doing a I'm doing a spot load today. Today I'm doing a spot load because there are issues with the contract freight coming out of where I am right now. But I'm going over to Louisiana to pick up a load to Fort Walton, and then I'll pick up a contract well, load after that. But well, here's the beauty know. of that: if you run mostly contract freight, and once in a while you need to fill in with a spot load, it's always there, and you can do it in thirty seconds. But if you run most or yeah. all spot market freight and you think you want to tap into the contract market freight, it could take you a year. Well, I, I called this one company because I saw that they have a good reputation. And the first thing they asked me is like, do you have $350,000 cargo insurance? I said, I got 500000 because of the people I named out who I all bought. Oh, and I was approved automatically because... I use the I use the insurance uh, company that that writes ninety percent of the car hauling insurance, and it's like you ha- you you build these relationships, and it's a small segment of the trucking industry. Yeah, it is. And when you they know that you when they know that you have this insurance, and that you have I mean the same company called me today and said, "Can you come up here and help us?" I said, "Well, I'm going here," and then we talked and visited, and I I'm like. And I, and she's like, well, when you get unloaded, call me and I'll tell you what we have out there. And it's like, so it's like that. And it's like, I have access to load boards that you just don't have access to. Yeah. Like, you know, the main load board for for spot market and, and car hauling central dispatch. Well, I have access to other people's loads that they put out there or they email it to me. It's not listed on, on central dispatch. Right. It's like, I, they, 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 they put me on an email list and I see what they have. And yep. it's like. You know, and it's like I can call and pick and choose or whatever. And so I just generally use three or four different people and just run the same same region. And it's like I told uh, I told Paul the other day. I said I haven't been north I twenty except in North Carolina since uh, before Labor Day, uh, Memorial Day. I just haven't. Yeah, yeah. It's just I've just been east and west, just east and west. And it's like you know I haven't been I haven't been further west than San Antonio or Austin and. I don't plan to go any further rest than that. And, there you, and go. It's just, you know, I was told I was told I couldn't do this. And it's like, we'll see about that. So. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Hey, you know, I want to go go back. The uh, I, I love all the the climbing you've been doing. What a what a great thing physically and health wise and mental and all that other stuff. But you have seen some incredible scenery, too. Oh, I have. The, the, uh, the high Sierras are absolutely phenomenal. Oh. I just can't wait to get to the top up there and look down on it all. Yeah. And I made it, I made it up to, uh, what they call a uh, trail camp. And, uh, you know, I learned how to filter my own water and filter water along the way. And, cool. you know, and I sat there and looked at all of that. And, yeah. And then, you know, the, the, the only disappointing was when I got on, I mean, Mount Elbert was fantastic to get on top of that and look down out there. It's the second highest peak in America. But uh, I, I did, you know, a week ago when I did uh, Humphreys Peak and I got up there to the top, it was cloudy. It was, you know, 40 mile an hour winds, about 32 degrees, and it was cloudy. Hey. I mean, the clouds were running over and they couldn't see. So I'm going to correct you on something. Go ahead. Go ahead. Second highest in the continental U.S. Correct. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
And, and, and that's actually, big. It, it's yeah. the highest peak. It's the it's the highest peak between Mount Whitney and Mont Blanc in France. Oh, really? Yeah, that's that's little known fact. Huh? Yeah, I didn't know that. Probably, yeah, so um, the, nah. the the granddaddy of all is up in Alaska. I mean, McKinley's what twenty thousand, right. I think. I believe so. It's like yeah, the twenty thousand. I think range. it's a little over twenty thousand. Yeah, and then Rainier, the next biggest, is fourteen. That's not even close. Rainier is like number four or five. Uh, and it's it's Whitney, it's Whitney, Albert, Massive, and I forget maybe Rainier or somewhere in there. It's in the top five in in the Continental. Uh, in the lower part, in forty-eight. Wait a minute. I'm really confused now. I could have swore Rainier was number two in the in you in the United States. Now, no, no, it's Mount Elbert. It's Mount Elbert. Mount Elbert over there in uh, in Leadville, Colorado. I've been wrong about this for about thirty years. Then, ever since the first time I moved out to Washington State in the Army, why did I always think Rainier was the highest peak in the continental U.S.? Huh. No, it, the highest peak is Mount Whitney. Huh. The 14505. Okay. Yeah, that is higher. Because Rainier's like 14.2 something, I think. Yeah, and the thing about Whitney is it's uh, it's like from the portal, it's like 10, 10 and a half miles to the summit back down. How, I mean, how did it, I get this so a, wrong? It's a beast. I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> huh. That's really weird. I've been saying that Rainier was forever, and I wouldn't have made that up. I wonder where I came up with that. Huh. No, you're, you're right. I just looked it up. No. Not that I, I had a feeling you were right because you're climbing them. You would know this stuff. I wonder how I've been so wrong on that. I, I, I'm, I'm as, as much of a rookie as I am at trucking, I'm more of a rookie at climbing. I mean, I'm just now getting into it, and it's like... It's a whole other. I mean, I want to. I, I want to be able to you know, be in shape to do these and and, and learn and and I mean, I mean, clearly, I, I know I don't want to do Capital Peak or like that because that's like the most dangerous one up there in, uh, in Colorado. But you have to go over what's called the knife's edge to get to the summit. And uh, but it's just it's fascinating to be able to just hike up and walk up. You go up there and you get up on top and you look out and you're like, when you, and you know, there's a lot of principle, there's a lot of lessons learned in going up there. It's like you take one, this like life, it's one step and it's like building your business one step after another, one step at a time. You can't just, you know, just run up. I mean, there are people that run up these mountains and yeah. run down them. You see them all the time. Yeah, right. But, but that's not clearly not me. So. Yeah, but what uh, you're doing is pretty a, incredible. It's a, it's a cool hobby. It's yeah, like, it really is. You know, but Zion, you're right. Zion's very underrated. It's it's uh, it's uh, there's other there's other you know, things I want to go back there and do. Not uh, not just Zion itself being so underrated. The whole state of Utah. Nobody really thinks of Utah is. as a vacation destination. Utah is spectacular. It's amazing. I, I looked at Bryce. I took a picture. Took a picture of Bryce and posted it on Facebook. And I looked at that. I mean, my, my words were, "I've never seen anything like this." One of my. You look down at there. It, 
Yeah, one of my favorite ATV rides is Casto Canyon. Absolutely stunning. And then go a couple hours south and you can be in coral pink sand dunes that are spectacular. Yeah, the terrain just changes immediately. You come out of Vegas there, you go through that little section of, of uh, on 15, you go through a little section of... Uh, uh, of Arizona, and then you right. get before the Utah border, you go through through the what they call the Virgin Forge or whatever. And it's like you go through there, and it's like it just changes immediately. Yeah, and it's just and you get up to I, you get up to uh, St. George, and you go over the hurricane, and then you then all of a sudden you're there, and it's like oh my god, it's right here. We were down actually. This was a big vacation we took with uh, Bruce and Debbie. Um, we rented a house in South Utah and it was right after the Las Vegas truck show. That's why we did it. So Lisa and I went to Utah and did a little couple of days on our own. Then we met Bruce at the truck show and then we rented a house and, you know, kind of explored Utah and we, you know, took the ATVs out. I mean, the sand dunes were so big. Um, Bruce and I both had the, the biggest fuel injected ATVs at the time. And there were sand dunes we couldn't get to the top of. I mean, you just ran out of power. Wow. Yeah, and and you would it was yeah. it was like high marking on a snowmobile. You just see who could get up the highest, and then turn around, and you could see their mark, but you couldn't get over it. They were that yeah. big. I mean, I, I just yeah. who would expect yeah. that you? And they're pink. It's this beautiful pink sand. Who would think that's in Utah? Um, but we saw just well, you- so many beautiful places there. Well, when you when you before you get to Bryce, when you're coming across out off of 15, and I took a back road, you come up and you go through, I believe, what's called Red Canyon or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Like the, 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 everything's red. The rocks are I know. red, and it's like I know. it's just right there. Yeah, and then you what, get through that, and it's like. Go ahead. When we left there, we were in south southern Utah, pretty far south. Um, we decided no interstates. We want to take back roads out of here. It was probably the most spectacular 12 hours of driving I've ever done. The whole 12 hours, like all day, the scenery was just stunning. Places you, you just don't even hear of. Well, when you, when you climb, because uh, when you climb uh, Humphreys Peak and you look over the north side of uh, the, 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 rim, the ridge over there at the top, you're supposed to be, you, you can see that on a regular day, clear day, you can look down into the Grand Canyon. But I, you know, the wow. clouds were covering when I was there. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna have to go back on a, on a toilet. And the funny thing is, when I when I started that morning, it was like it was clear at the base, got it to the top, covered in clouds, forty mile an hour wind. And, uh, you yeah, know, and, it, and the Grand just 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 south of the Zion, there is the Grand Canyon. It's right there. I know you're not that far away at all. Uh, you're on the north end, which and most people there, there, most people don't there, ever visit the north end of. The canyon, because it's, just, it's pretty remote, it's pretty hard to get to. The south end. Is well, the, there's the, there, there's a big hike. There's a, there's a big hike up to the Grand Canyon called the Rim to Rim, and you can look it up on all trails. And that's what I'm planning on doing that this uh, this this spring. I've I've, uh, I've that seen that. that now I've I've seen that Rim to Rim. That looks like just spectacular um, hiking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah uh, it's a, it's a couple of days, and it's a Rim to rim, and then there's another. The tallest peak in in Nevada is over by California. It's called Boundaries Peak, and that's another one I'm going to do before I go back to Whitney. Good, good. Uh, but and, and and then and then 
there's Yosemite. It's right there by Whitney, just north yeah. of there. It's like, oh, okay, I got to go there too. So. You know, I've been I've been in all 50 states. I love national parks, so I've been in most of them. But the one big one, I, I have not been to Yosemite. I need to do that. You should. Yeah, I haven't been to go Yosemite. Hike with a, go, go, go hike Dome with a rock of the dome, Dome with a half dome yeah. rock. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a there's a big hike that I'll talk to people coming off the mountain. The, the, uh, it's called the John Muir Trail. It's like 200-something miles. They start up at Yosemite, and they come down, and they end at the Whitney Portal. Okay. And it's called the John, the John Muir Trail. It's 200-something. It takes most people like 20 days to do it. Wow. It's a, bit, it's a big deal. Yeah, that is a big deal. You know, I, um, I rafted the Colorado through the Grand Canyon. Um, big raft trip. You actually spend the night in the canyon, uh, which was just as cool as could be. Just sleeping under the stars, right on the sand um, under the canyon. They helicopter you in. Um, we spent two days on the river through the canyon. Then you take a jet boat across Lake Mead, and then they put you on a bus back to Las Vegas. It was a, just a spectacular trip. Um, yeah, there's so many awesome things to do. Yeah, yeah, that one was was just incredible to see that. Yeah, yeah, I keep looking at these things. I'm like, okay, I need to do this, 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 that. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. Almost, almost everything I really love to do. Uh, My two big hobbies right now: gardening and and uh, wing foiling. Which this week sucks for wind, except Friday they are predicting what they're calling a nuclear day. Like we're supposed to have big, huge, steady west winds on Friday. So I'm looking forward to it. But I was talking earlier, almost everything I love to do is outside. I don't want to destroy our environment. I, I, I am a tree hugger, No, but we have to do it right. And we're not. Everything we're doing about the environment is not about the environment at all. It's all about money. Speaking of tree hugging, you know, uh, you can get into what the grounding and the, how you have to, you know, we, you've talked about grounding and that's yeah. something I'm about to get into with a PMF mat I'm buying and all that. But I was reading and I was listening to somebody and they were talking about, well, maybe the hippies didn't have it wrong about hugging trees because you're actually grounding yourself. <laughs> exactly. So, and they used, they walked around barefoot go. most of the time, right? And there you go. Yeah, exactly. Look, really, if we think about it, and growing up, I'm the youngest of seven. Um, Several of my brothers went through the whole hippie phase. Almost all of them did. I I grew up with that. I was just a little late. I was pretty much on the tail end of it, but I watched most of my family go through that. When you look back, as weird as it seemed at the time— they were on the right track for a lot of things. Food, they were more, much more into organic yep. and real food. And, you know, and, and we called them weird and we called them tree huggers. And it was kind of a weird movement. But I look back now and I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of a modern day hippie. Uh, hell, I'm, okay, gr- I'm, I'm, into I'm, one other, I'm, I'm growing yeah. weed. How much more of a hippie could I be in my bare feet? There you go. Well, okay, so... In 1973, I was I've been listening to a couple of Gary Brecker podcasts and interviews with him. So in 1973, the government started mandating that 
grain had to be fortified, so they sprayed it with all. They're spraying. They spray all grains with folic acid. Well, forty-four percent of the people have that. What the MTHER, MTHR gene, yeah, or whatever right. they can't methylate properly. Exactly. So they get loaded up on folic acid, and that's where forty-four percent of the population with all the mental illness and ADHD and all that. It all started back then. Yeah. And, and but nobody, nobody gets diagnosed they, for that. They, they they just start throwing drugs at them. You know, there are so many problems with grains. They have almost no nutrition, so poor that we have to fortify them. We have to put artificial nutrition into grains. That Fortified sounds good, doesn't it? 44% of the people. Fortified sucks. Yeah, it does. 44% 44 of the people can't process that, so it just builds up this toxicity into the body. Yeah, and nobody even talks well, about that. Then there's gluten and gliadin and all the proteins in there that'll screw us up. Then they're high in carbs. It, why would anybody want to eat that stuff? And yet, when you say you shouldn't eat grains, people will look at you like you have three heads. Oh, yeah. Well, the next big, the next, you were talking about the, the fake meat and everything. The, the next big thing is what they're pushing over in Europe right now. It'll be over here and there. Probably already is. It's pushing uh eating bugs, cricket powder and things like that. That's the next thing. You know, I I probably have a different take on this than most people. I would much rather see a push towards eating insects than what they're pushing us to eat. Insects are real food. We may not think of it as food. We probably don't like it. I've eaten crickets. Crickets are really tasty. That crickets are a really good snack food. You can almost treat them like potato chips. You can put different flavorings on them. They're they're crunchy. Are they they chocolate covered? You could do them like that. Exactly, yeah. No, mine were just, (laughs) I mean, you could see it was a cricket. It wasn't covered with anything. It was yeah. a, it was a cricket, but it had a little seasoning on it and you know some salt and some flavor. They were really good. So I'm not really against that whole push towards eating insects. I might come to that, you know, rather than all this this fake manufactured. Well, now the, oh. the, the thing over the weekend, I saw 3D meat. Yeah, absolutely. Hands, hands down, I hell? will be eating insects long before I ever touch any of that crap they make in a factory or a lab. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no yeah, doubt. At least it's natural. You know, here's the thing. Um, even we're so freaked out about crickets, but we're also freaked out about eating something like a camel, right? Yeah. Why? What's the difference between a camel and a cow? If you grew up eating camel, you'd think, oh, look, those weird people eat cows. So what? They're animals. Uh We can eat any animal on the planet. We can eat everything that's alive. Now, there are some things that you have to be careful of, but, you know, but we can basically eat any animal. And we should be. We should be eating animals of any kind, including insects, before we eat all this processed fake crap. I, I agree. I mean, I've, I've, I've eaten squirrel. Being originally from Louisiana, I've oh, yeah. squirrel, cooked squirrel, killed squirrels. It's like, what's the difference between a squirrel uh, and a rat? Furry uh, tail? Almost nothing. Right. They're, they're both rodents. No, You're right. right. And a squirrel was the first yeah. thing I ever shot and killed and ate myself. And I love squirrel. Yeah. 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 Squirrels, squirrels, rabbits. I mean, we, we, we. 
Yeah, I, I've, eat, day, we, I've know, eaten all the weird foods. Years. You know, I've told the story on my 50th birthday. We did an exotic animal burger bar. We had llama and camel and emu and goat and um, uh, antelope. And I think we had like, I don't know, 10 or 12. We had all kinds of crazy animals. You know what? They all tasted about the same. Yeah, you can go to any you can go to any Indian restaurant and get goat curry. It, I, I am shocked I mean, that we I'm, don't eat more goat in this country. I love goat; it's really good. People down in, the, the people in Texas and Louisiana eat goat yeah, more so than the rest of the country. Yeah, but uh, we we just don't yeah. eat a lot of goat in this country. I, I think goat is really good, yeah. and again. Many of these other animals that we can eat have a much smaller environmental impact than cattle. Yeah. Nobody eats as much lamb as Paul. That's what he eats every day. Well, all the good lamb comes from New Zealand. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you're raised on it. I mean, I like lamb. I love lamb. Lamb's one of my favorites. Lamb and duck. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love a duck. Oh That's yeah, best best duck best duck I ever ate was in Monaco. Oh, I'll bet. Yeah, I'll bet. Yeah, you know that the difference: lamb and duck have tons of flavor. Our beef today, our industrial raised beef, is flavorless. That's why it people is. love it. We have, we have created such a mild, weak palate in Americans. We eat white bread and American cheese and tasteless beef. People look at me funny when I tell them that I order something and I say, don't put any bread, don't, no, no potatoes, no bread, no this, no that. Give me an extra egg, will you please? Yeah, exactly. You don't want any, any potatoes? No, I, I really yeah. don't. Yeah, put, put an egg on it, though. I put an egg on just about everything. Yeah. Yeah, you know, get, you know, those two eggs. Uh, get, you know, give me an extra egg, and you keep all your bread, exactly. your pancakes, and all that. I don't right. eat that. I, right. I, I just don't. Nope. All right, Mark. Good so, stuff. Hey, call me and tell me more about these uh, expeditions. I love that. I got to move along. Calls are piling up. We're going to go to Oklahoma. Joe, welcome to the program. I'll be right back. Um, everybody. Uh, hey, how you doing? Good. Uh, you got a wind problem. Move, you got a wind problem. Move to Oklahoma. Well, here's the thing. So I moved here to where I live right now because after being in all 50 states and thinking about, you know, the way I work, I can work from anywhere. So where do I want to live? After traveling around, I fell in love with the Pacific Northwest. I was stationed here in the Army. And then when I found the gorge, the Columbia River Gorge, I said, this is home. Absolutely love it here. If I had to pick one downside to living in the gorge, it is the wind. We have wind constantly, and doing things outside when it's really windy, is, it's just more difficult. Now, there are some advantages— we have no mosquitoes. It's way too windy for mosquitoes here. Oh, no kidding. Nah, we don't have screens man. on our windows or doors. Our, our, oh, man, we got we, those. We have French doors on our bedroom. They are wide open all summer, all day, all night. No screens. They're just wide open. We don't have any bugs. To right now, we get, a, we get a few flies for about a month or so because we don't have a lot of wind right now. That's why I can't go out and wing foil. 
because most of our days are pretty calm. So we do tend to get flies a little bit, kind of annoying, but they'll be gone here soon. Um, So I figured, all right, if there's this one thing that bothers me about living here and it's the wind, why don't I take up a wind sport and then I'll look forward to the wind? So now I'm sitting here saying, damn, why is it so calm? When's the wind going to come? Well, there's a saying in Oklahoma, if the wind stops blowing, look around. Yeah. <laughs> there's trouble. Yeah, good point. We are... There, we are. There's, there's trouble. Yeah, there's a reason kiteboarding was invented right here. Because we have this crazy constant <laughs> wind all the time. The reason I called you is because my friends called me up with their illnesses. Okay. And I, what I do... Is I don't do the the Pringle. I don't do all that kind of stuff. I'm, you know, on your website, all the people who do all these really fancy stuff. All I do is make a dot. That's it. Just a dot. Like I, I ate asparagus. Dot. You know, <laughs> I'm not saying <laughs> fancy. I mean, it's just you know, there it is. You know, yeah. I ate black beans. Dot. dot. <laughs> you know, that's it. Yeah. I mean, just just you know, nothing fancy. You know, so. I'll send people my spreadsheets, and these people are in pain. You know, they're walking right. on marbles or right. thyroidism or whatever. And it's, this is serious. I mean, they're they're calling me up with their problems. Some of them are in tears. And they're my relatives and friends oh, and stuff like that. And every every time I ask them, I say, "You want to see my spreadsheets?" Because they all see me healthy. I'm 64. To Doctor Friday, he goes, "I hadn't seen a doctor in years, but I had to go in there because I have a hypercalcemia." hypercalcemia. I have a hereditary trait for that, so I'm going to go get tested for it. And he, uh, he, hold on. He I want to make, sure make sure I'm hearing the right thing. You have an excess calcium in your body? Is that what I'm hearing? Well, apparently I have a genetic disposition for hypercalcemia. So I have to go get this, this blood test. And I tried to so, go to the doctor and he said, I'm not going to get I'm not going to do that because all those blood tests that you sent me, if I did that, it'd be fraud. So I have to go to the lab core and do it myself, which is fine. I have insurance. It's not a big deal. But anyway, he, he wanted to know how, how I, how I, you know, made it to 64 in his health. And I, I'm a truck driver. I mean, you know, I am not the healthiest guy in the world, but, uh, uh, I call. I called you because I don't know. I'm not, maybe I'm a, maybe I'm approaching this wrong. Maybe I'm doing something wrong with my friends when I when I send them this these health charts because every time they get mad. So uh, you've touched on a good topic. We've talked about it before. Of all the things I do with health, the single most difficult thing about all of this is not being able to help everybody. You just want to help everybody. They're in pain. They're suffering, and you know you can help them. You know you can make their life better. And it's so frustrating because you can't unless they want it. That's the whole thing. This isn't in your control. That's, that's what's so frustrating about this. So all you can do is try to be the best example you can. And when somebody does ask for advice, you, you just try. It doesn't always work. Um, I, I struggle with it. Well, I mean, I've seen, I've seen all the posts of the, you know, you got the circular guidelines, you know, you know, the charts and all that stuff people are posting. I don't know where you're at on the web now. I still go to Let's Drug, 
but uh, I don't see that many of those those guidelines of you know how many calories and all the rest of that stuff. I'm not going to do all that stuff. That's, we, a, that's a pain in the butt. I want more. I want more of a lifestyle. We don't even talk about calories. running gauges. We don't even talk about calories. No, but, no. What I'm saying is, there's there's all these programs where you enter in how many calories, oh, how many yeah. protein, yeah, proteins, that, or whatever it is. Well, just, so, so I'm not really interested in that. I'm really looking for a lifestyle change, and that's all I'm trying to promote. Yeah. So. You know, I do all kinds of crazy testing and measuring and wearing all kinds of device and poking myself over and over and tracking all this because I want to prove that it works. And I want to make sure I know what really works. But ultimately, I tell people, don't do any of this stuff. It, it, look, we, we can tell you how to eat right. And if you eat right, all of those numbers will improve. I promise you. You don't even have to go check them. I know they'll improve. I, we should just not be so freaked out about food. We shouldn't be measuring all this stuff all the time. Unfortunately, right now, some of us have to so we can prove this and show it with numbers. But ultimately, I, I really just want people to enjoy food and enjoy good health and get out and be active. Don't spend two hours a day trying to figure out if your health is right or not. I mean, in the beginning, we have to. We've destroyed our health so bad we have so many issues. We have to get back to being right. But, you know, for the most part, other than all the testing I do and all that stuff, I don't, I don't think about food. I know what I eat now. Um, it's just not a big deal. I, my, my diet's pretty basic. It's really good. I enjoy my diet, but it's pretty basic. I don't have to think about it. I know what I'm going to be eating. Well, I mean, I've gone over the whole thing, you know, cup your hand. You know, don't go over the cup of anything except for meat. I mean, wow. I, I, I go on and on and on about, well, in other words, if you're eating green beans, cup your hand and only eat what fills up the, what fills up the, uh, yes, center. See, I, I don't even like that. Anything, anything more than. Anything more than that's just a waste of your of your time. I don't I don't remember who said that, but somebody said that a long time ago. So I just certainly eat half wasn't a made half a can of. I, no, I mean, but I, so I just eat half a half a can of beans. And so I don't sit there and measure it out. I just say, you know what? I just eat half a can of beans. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> stuff I, like that. I just just generalize it out. I, I say I don't do any any measurement or anything you know, like I, that. I just I, do I, real generalities. I, I'll take it back. I guess I do a little bit of this because I have identified that uh, oxalates and myself don't get along. Oxalates are a problem for me. I know they are. So th I do have to watch what I, I was just going to say, I tell people eat when you're hungry and you should be eating food that you don't have to worry about how much of it you eat. But no, that's not true. I eat white rice and you really, really have to watch how much white rice you eat. And I have to watch how many oxalates I eat. So yeah, that's true. Well, I, I, I just, I feel so sorry for these people, and I, I, I don't know if there's a, a. I thought maybe you could lean me into a, 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 maybe more of a, more of a political or, or you know, like I, a politician eases you into a conversation. I wish I could. <laughs> I, I really, I, I, I wish I could come up with a better way to help other people help other people. Um, the advantage I have is I get on the air and I blab for three hours a day and you know every once in a while somebody stops and listens um, but when it comes to my personal life you know I meet people they find out what I do and they want health advice but honestly they really don't want health advice 
the minute I start talking, their eyes roll back in their head. They don't want to hear this stuff. They want some easy, quick fix. Yeah, candy bar or protein bar. Yeah, they want to know that they can keep eating the way they want and just tell me that one superfood I can add to my crappy diet to fix it all. That's what they want. And when I tell them, no, this will be a radical change in the way you eat. And I do the opposite. You know, you just ask, how can I kind of ease them into it? I take the opposite approach because I don't want to waste a lot of time with a lot of people. Let's think about this. If we kind of try to ease them into it, make it, you know, sound not quite so scary or it's not a big change, then at some point they find out it is a big change and they bail. Well, I just wasted all my time with that person. So when, when somebody asks me, the first thing I tell them is, are you ready to make radical changes in the way you eat? I do the opposite. I try to scare them right from the beginning. This is not complicated. It's not complicated, I tell them. It's really simple, but this is going to be a radical change in the way you eat. And if you're not ready to consider that, then you don't want to talk to me because I have nothing else for you. That should be easy for me because I'm a son of a lawyer and bluntness is, then uh, comes I, very easily. I Now, I will tell you, you will scare more people away this way. You will. But that's my point. I don't want to waste weeks with uh, you and then find out you're not willing to make that change. I want to know right now, are you willing uh, to do things that you will probably consider really drastic? And if you're not, then you should find somebody else to go work with. All right, I'm going to try that. On a side note here, on this hyper calcemia, this guy told me if I had that, this guy said unless I had that disease, he wouldn't do those blood tests. What the hell is that all about? Well, when, this is a traditional doctor, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. See, I don't. I no, no, I, no, no, no. What? No. What? No. What he's saying. What he's. What he's saying is he'll get in trouble. He get charged with fraud. What he told me, he said, unless no, you have no. that disease, I can't test for it. No, I know. That, That's a so, quote. So my point That's is. A quote. That's a quote. The traditional That's medical system. No, I believe it. That's he's correct. That's true. The traditional medical system controls what the doctors are allowed to do. Huh. They, they are at risk of losing their huh. license if they don't tell you you are supposed to, if they don't prescribe a statin to you, if your numbers, if your cholesterol numbers are out of the range of the American Medical Association and the doctor does not prescribe a statin, he can be charged. Doctors have very, yeah, very little freedom anymore to do what they think is right. They just have to do what the system tells them to do. That's why we only recommend functional medicine doctors. They have the freedom. Following the trail. Now, those doctors are also at risk of losing their license, but they don't care much. Uh, well, I, I've, I've given I've given Michael's name out to a bunch of people. I don't know if anybody's ever called, but. Well, good. We appreciate that. Um, it, it, but again, I, I, all we can do, the best we can do, and somebody has other ideas I'd like to know too, um, we can be a good example. Uh, 
and then we can try to do I the best write, we can when somebody the, wants to help. I even write the name down and push it in front of them. Good, good. Because <laughs> obviously I lost. It's obvious as hell I lost. <laughs> let's see. Yep. Here, let this guy try. Yeah, yeah. Now Cause I because I, lo- I lost. I mean, I, it's obviously I lost. Yeah. Now it's uh, it it. We talk about it all the time. I'm gonna cut you loose. And move on. Um, this is one of the most difficult parts of this. Everybody feels that frustration. As human beings, unless there's something wrong with our brain, we want to help other people. That's how human beings are wired. That's why we evolved in tribes. We are wired to help other people because that helps us. When we help the people around us be stronger, then our tribe is stronger. There's a huge advantage for us to do that. That's why this drive to help people when we learn this is so strong. We see how powerful the change was for us. And we immediately want to help the people around us. We're wired that way. We all are. Unless we have a mental defect, we're all wired that way. And it's frustrating because when it comes to food, there couldn't be a more complicated issue today that I can think of. Food is all over the board. And unfortunately, the people pushing veganism are the ones that have all the money somehow. They have lots and lots and lots of money to promote these, you know, ways of eating that really aren't healthy at all. Human beings are not vegans. We never have been. We never should be. We are meat eaters. We are carnivores. I know we're omnivores, but I believe we're mostly carnivore. And to be a vegan is just a horrible idea but it's being promoted heavily with a lot of money. Let's go to Illinois. Patrick, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. How are you today? Good. What's on your mind? Uh, I had a response to the lady that called in about the catalyst. She wanted to know how to put it in her tank. On uh, on Pittsburgh Power site, they sell this small little dosing bottle. Oh, good! It's a lot like what you'd use for oil for for a two stroke or something. Yeah, like for your weed eater. I uh, I'm I'm a Sprinter and uh, Promaster driver, so okay. I, I carry it with me. It holds about sixteen ounces, and you can squeeze the little bottle to get either a half ounce or a one ounce dose that you can pour into the tank. Oh, perfect! And it. That, that would save you from having to carry the whole gallon around with the possibility of spilling it or any of that. It, it, it makes this dosing really easy. Oh, good idea. Thank you. And I'm so sure... I, when, when I heard her, I said... I'm sure they've talked about that yeah. at some point on the air. I just didn't remember it. You, you had to look a little closer on their site to, to find it. I don't know if they promote it real heavy. Okay. But... I bought a couple of them so I can put one in each of my vans. Good. And I always have some with me. There you go. And uh, on, on a second note, I want to want to thank you for promoting all of the healthy. Uh, last last Friday, 
I got down to 197, and that's the first time under 200 in probably 30 years. Wow. Congratulations. That's incredible. Oh, I, I, I have been stalled for so long. I started in 265, and I have been stalled forever. And uh, fi- finally broke under the 200. I'm, I'm just jumping up with joy. Over I, I was going to say that has to be an amazing feeling. It is. That, that, that was a goal I was really excited about breaking, was getting under 200. Excellent. I love that. All right. Well, that's, that's all I've got today. So all right. have a great day. That's all I need. Thanks for the call. Let's head off to Montana. Jeff, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for taking my call. What's on your mind today? Hey, I wanted to call in. Well, I wanted to call in last week. You had my boss on the radio on Wednesday. You had David from Azure on there. Oh. I went to work. I called them the first time you had him on the radio, I heard, and I called it. And, and anyways, so now I'm here working. Well, fantastic. It's an interesting you, place to work. How do you like it? <laughs> I love it and I hate it. <laughs> to be honest with you. But... Yeah, you, you, you're out. You, sometimes you're out. You're out. Uh, you're off the beaten path. So, oh yeah, you know you gotta. I used to running up and down the road, and you know being able to stop at a truck stop, and get a shower or whatever. Yeah, had to find some wipes, that kind yeah. of things. But you know, that's, yeah, but that's it's, a, it's it's all it's pretty good. You know, I I, I know, I'm being plenty active. That's for sure. Yeah, you know that um, that actually sounds good to me. I cut my teeth on stuff like that. I did yeah. P&D work out in a really rural area. You know, some of those places where you end up uh-huh. driving over 6,000-pound bridges just because there's no other option. You know, you, you got on that road, yeah. and there's no yeah. way you're going to back up six miles to get out of there. So, yeah, I've been that, – that's kind of how I got started, and I, I really enjoy that. Yeah, yeah. But, but I, I wanted to – Give you a, a recipe for a car, carnivore candy bar. Okay. Okay. Well, it's pretty simple. You go to the grocery store or wherever you want to go get it at, uh, get you a pound of bacon, fry it up, put it in the refrigerator, and then when you're driving down the road, you know, you stop, you want a snack, wrap it in cheese, and there's your candy bar. Oh, yeah. I like that. I, uh, yeah, I, it's pretty common for me just wake up in the morning and throw a pound of bacon in the oven and then just snack on it all day. I never thought about wrapping a piece of cheese around bacon though. Why didn't I think of that? That sounds really good. Yeah. Uh, cheese, I had to have cheese almost, well, not with everything, but I like cheese. You know what I love about cold bacon? What's that? You get even more fat in every bite. Yeah, <laughs> right. Because yeah, when it's cold, yeah. the fat just so, clings yeah. to it. Yeah, you get you get a nice big bite of fat yeah. in every bite. So let's add a little more fat to it. Let's wrap some cheese yeah. around it. I love that. Yeah, there you go. There yeah. you go. Yeah, yeah. So uh, and that's something I did crazy a few weeks ago. I was home. I went out and I I've been with Azure about ninety days now, but I I went home. I first went home and took a couple weeks off. And my one son, he races motocross and he's racing in the old timers class over in Boise and, um, uh, or an old timers race. 
And I went there Saturday, and then the next day is racing. Well, one of his friends on Saturday says, I'm not going to race tomorrow. You can race my bike. So Sunday, I went and ran, ran his, his class, which was the 40 novice. And I'm 62, and I went out and ran my first <laughs> motocross race in, like, 1980. What were you riding? I was riding the, I was riding the 250 uh, four-stroke KTM. Oh, really? That, don't ask me exactly I, which model. Yeah, yeah no, that's yeah. okay. It, uh, oh, used, but, formerly yeah. known as Penton. That's how far back I go yeah. in motocross. Was it, was, were they Penton? They were Penton. Well, that's, yeah. yeah, I mean, Osa, Pook, yeah. you know. Yep. The, uh, the, yeah, the, yeah. The, Italian, yeah, the Italian bikes yeah. were big back then. Yeah, and then the Japanese took over everything, but uh, Husqvarna was yeah, big. Yeah, yeah. the European, almost all yeah. the motorcycles back in the 70s, 60s and 70s, almost all the motocross bikes were European. Yeah, yeah, they were. They were, and then, then when Honda came out with the CR. Oh, yeah. And they just kind of, the Japanese and, just dominated, but now it's, and it's kind of switched back. I mean, yeah, and then Suki, Suzuki back, came out got, with the... When they first brought out the RM to replace the TM, the RM was probably uh-huh. closer to the factory bikes than anybody else was selling. Yeah, and then everybody. Yeah. I never owned the RM, but I did have a TM. I did have it. I did race a TM one twenty five. Almost yeah. two two different yeah. motorcycles. But, what a what a huge change! Oh when yeah, they went to the no, RM. they were. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No, it was. It was a big change and. But it was, it was so, a blast, though. I mean, I was I, dead tired, but I couldn't. I had so I, much fun racing. Oh, I'll bet. I'll bet. I can't Go remember. Where, where are KTM made? Uh, that I don't, I don't know for sure. I don't know either. You know. Huh. I, I don't know. I, and I, I can't don't remember where, where Penton the, came from. I'm going to look that up. They're not Canada. No, I don't know. I don't know either. But. I used to know where every motorcycle yeah. was made. Um, yeah. But yeah, but a lot of, but you know, it's not just the, ja- it's not just the three oh. major brands anymore. You've Holy got, Holy cow. So K- you got, there's a brand out there. There's a brand. Go ahead. KTM is Austrian. Okay. That sounds right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Huh. Okay. Huh. But, but no, there's, the KTM also, they have another, I think they've got another brand called Gas Gas. And really? they've actually got two strokes out. Oh, yeah, do they really? Two stroke models. Wonder how they're meeting yeah, emissions. Are, I don't know. You know, for, That's the only reason we went to four strokes. I have strokes. no idea. Nobody would have ever went to a four yeah. stroke engine for motocross because two strokes are far superior. Yeah. They just are. Um, yeah. But yeah. but it was a mission. Yeah. So if somebody's figured out a way to to make two strokes again, I just wonder: is anybody um, anybody making an electric motocross bike yet? Um, you know, I was watching. I was in my truck last night, and I flipped on YouTube, and they and they call it oh, what do they call that? Straight. It's it's just a straight line, but it's like a drag drag motocross they've you've got jumps you've got whoops but no corners oh okay and uh, and this was from 2019 and somebody was out there on an electric motorcycle oh really and i don't i don't know how that worked because because you have no clutch you have no you don't shift it's <laughs> all just 
<laughs> endurable or whatever. I mean, he you, he made it to the qualifiers, but you know there was. But, um, but I forget the name of it. There was a motorcycle when I used to race. I think it was Can Am. I think Can Am made a motorcycle for a while, um, and they yeah they used, did. They used the centrifugal clutch, and one of the places I raced. Oh had this weird starting gate. You know, like most motocross, they just have the, the gate that falls in front of you. Do they yeah, still do that? Yeah. That's still the norm, right? The gate's there and it just falls yeah. in front of yeah, you. It just, yeah. yeah, it just falls, yeah. The one place that I used yeah. to race a lot had like a rubber band. Like it was this giant rubber yeah. band that stretched across like, the whole line. Well, part of the problem was it takes a you know a second for that thing to get all the way to the other side. So the person on the far left already right. has so an advantage. On the end. So what they did yeah. to try to equalize that was when you're sitting at the starting line, you were allowed to have your hand on the throttle, but your left hand had to be on your helmet. And you couldn't take it off the helmet okay. till the sound <laughs> went off and they re- so it took everybody you know, a second to get their hand down on the clutch and it kind of equalized everything. But the guy with the centrifugal clutch could just take off with his hand on his helmet. He won the whole shot almost (laughs) every race. I mean, a whole shot comes down to a second or two and he would win the whole shot every race. I know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that and that's you know when I started racing, that's how they had over at Boise. It, well, they call it Hawaii Motorcycle Club, but back then they called it Peaceful Cove. But it was the rubber band, the sur- I think it's surgical tube or something. Something, yeah. That they would stretch yeah. out across, yeah. And also, all that weekend, speaking of whole shots, my the my son he was in the forty expert, and they ran five motos over the two days, and he got four whole shots out of five. Wow. So Aaron, needs, I need to. I, I, Aaron just that? sent Aaron just sent me over. He has a KTM XCW three hundred oil injected two stroke. Yeah, yeah. The I don't think I think Yamaha is the only one that's making like a two fifty YZ, but it's old technology. But like KTM and I think Husqvarna and stuff, they're they're building them. They're making them with new, newer technology. but Yeah, I haven't really you know, followed yeah. the bikes at all. I mean, I know a lot from way back when, but I, I really don't know a lot about what's yeah. going on right now with, with the bikes themselves. Yeah. And the uh, main reason I know is just from my son, because he's, I bought him a little 50 when he was three years old, and he's <laughs> been riding every since. He's, four, he's 40 now. Oh, so. yeah. That's, you know, he's, he's broken so many bones yep. and stuff. In fact, he's going next month, next month, he's, he's, he's going down to Baja. Oh. Going in the Baja again. On, oh, on that's a, gotta be incredible. 450. Yeah. Honda. yeah. He's on a, it's a, oh shoot. I can't think of the name of the team, but it's, he's the only gringo on the team. Is that the rest right? They're all Mexican national. Wow. Yeah. 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 And he, he got introduced to them a couple of years ago through a friend. They needed somebody to ride. So. Yeah, that yeah, has he'll to, be back down there this That month. has to be an incredible experience. Yeah. Yeah, but but you know, they have an old timer series every year and it runs oh up there in Richland, Washington and Washougal, which you know, just right over by Vancouver and Boise and all, even up into Canada. But 
I'm not vaccinated, so I'm not going to Canada. <laughs> so uh, I was like, <laughs> I think, Kevin, you ought to get a bike. And I know. Race that old time was, it know. was a blast. It was a blast. I should. I have. I mean, I, it, it was. It was so much fun. Yeah. You know, and you I, don't have I, anything else to do. Well, you're not you're not busy. Well, you know, I have my I do have a new sport right now, so I'm going to focus on that. Maybe the motocross yeah, will come again next year. We'll yeah. see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. So, anyways, that's about all I had. All I did, right. but that was so much fun doing that at my age, and it's like, okay, I'll I got to get me a bike now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I would if if I so. if I got on one one time. I'm sure I'd get off of it and go buy one. I'm sure I would. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just like, oh, it was just, I was dead tired and just had a gigantic grin on my I'll face bet. I'll at bet. the end of each photo. I'm grinning know? just so, thinking about and it. And I was slower. Than, <laughs> they, 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 they took my, they used a calendar, calendar for my lap time. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that would probably so. be me right now. Either th- Either that, yeah. or I would be crashing a lot, like tr- thinking I could yeah. ride the way I used to, and and you know, not that I wouldn't be capable of it. I mean, I'm physically capable of riding just as good as I could when I was 18, yeah. but that was when I rode every yeah. single day. I mean, I rode every day when I raced, and uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. It, yeah. It, it it would be fun. Oh, you know, another one I remembered. Um, because I actually rode one a couple times. A friend of mine had one when I was in the Army. Bull Taco. Remember those? Oh, yeah. 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 And I just seen a video on those. It was like a... I think they did a kit on it. So I guess they're still around. They might Maybe be. Maybe they started making them again. Or yeah, they... If I remember right, but I think like they're Italian, seven. too. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think. I don't remember for sure. But anyhow. So. Yeah. Well, All right. Well, let's stuff. get on to somebody else. But All right. Thanks okay. for the call. Um, I think we're going to wrap it up today. Been a good day. Um, hour and a half of straight calls right from the beginning. No breaks. Lots and lots of good topics. I know I had fun. Um, must have been the sleep. So we will see you back here tomorrow for the power hour. We'll see you then. Be safe. Be profitable, be fit and healthy, always do the hard work and master the journey.